Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we are here tonight to review every single afternoon game from Week 8, as we always do on Sunday evening on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, I am joined by none other than PFF senior analyst himself, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we've watched football, we've laughed, we've cried. We, we've lived, man. Happy Halloween. How's it going? <laughs> we have lived. It's kind of weird for me. Like, I don't want to make you cry again. But, like, this is the first time I haven't gone trick-or-treating with my kids. Like, my daughter was like, you know, Dad, I just kind of want to do this thing with my friends. And I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, it's fine. It's fine, babe. You know, no big deal, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for her. Like, she's doing her thing. Um, so, my wife, you know, she's kind of like hanging out kind of close by them. But since we weren't going to be right there with them, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and record this show early <laughs> and not do it later. I'm still quite a bit away from having my kids reject me to hang out with the cooler kids because I don't even have kids yet, Dwayne. But we'll see what happens down the road. PFF Lily was kind enough to still take my dog biscuits as I throw her, throw them to her general area. But enough of that. We got games to break down. Steelers took down the Browns in the AFC North battle. 15-10. to 10. Pittsburgh covered as four-point underdogs. The under cashed at just 43. So, people, per usual, with these breakdowns, I'm going to go through some of the things that stuck out for me uh, just from watching the games, some of the sheesh moments beyond the box scores better balls nullified touchdown things like that some injuries now throw it back over to Dwayne who has all of his good utilization report goods there so Steelers and Browns again Deontay Johnson people just keeps on keeping on six catches for 98 yards and this one wasn't that easy it took until the last drive where basically they designed a nice little slant for him where he kind of had a natural pick took it 50 yards you know why because Deontay Johnson is a yak monster and makes great plays with the ball in his hands but really people well, other than that, it was just wasn't much to speak of on this entire game. Najee Harris got his, because of course Najee Harris gets his. 26 carries on the ground, 91 yards and a touchdown, also chipped in three catches. So it just remains impossible for Najee to bust on that kind of volume. And yeah, so that was basically how things went on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. Browns. Really thought Nick Chubb could have a big game here. And from a huge perspective, he really did dominate. I mean, 16 of the Browns, 21 backfield carries. We did not really see him get involved as a receiver, just one target. But hey, usually Nick Chubb, if he is going to get the lion's share of the backfield work, we know what he's capable of having those big games wasn't able to get there in this one. Dearness Johnson ended up stealing the touchdown from him from about the 10-yard line on one of his just four carries. So not going to panic. Continue to treat Nick Chubb as a top 10 running back. I think it's just more of a matter of this Browns offense, particularly the passing game being the unit that we need to severely adjust our expectations if we haven't already. And I do think most of us have done so already. But yeah, I don't want to completely throw Baker under the bus here. He did have a week high six drops go against him. So, you know, Baker, the 225 scoreless yard, weren't great he also took four sacks but we did have Jarvis Landry usually sure-handed reliable Jarvis Landry let him down on a few different occasions so Dwayne those were the main notes here only sheeshes I had Austin Hooper almost had a touchdown but the ball went off his hands it was also thrown pretty high I tend to give to not give Baker the benefit of the doubt but I think this one might have been more on Hooper here so take that for what it's worth could have been about a five-yard touchdown and yeah if you didn't you know see Odo Beckham out there I'm not surprised 
surprised he had just one target caught it for six yards and the only other time I think it got wiped out on a hold or something Baker nearly sent his poor friend I don't even know if they're friends honestly uh, to the hospital on a ball over the middle maybe in a different universe and a different uh, version of our simulation we live in it's a better ball and OBJ has a chance at a 40 yard touchdown but pretty clear those days have passed us by for now only injury to report uh, Chris Boswell the Pittsburgh Steelers kicker I guess it's the first kicker analysis I've ever done on this podcast but yeah he got a uh, concussed so hope Chris is feeling better and that's really why you shouldn't be doing fakes with kickers and asking them to make you know real football player plays Dwayne so Nick Chubb he what were, what were the behind the scenes stats on Chubb because again he really dominated the per carry usage we did still see Felton and Dearness evolved how much was it the Nick, Nick Chubb show versus them really just filling in and providing what Kareem Hunt does when he's healthy yeah, I mean, what we saw was really Dearness Johnson take over, you know, and we talked about this, you know, earlier in the week. We, we kind of thought Dearness Johnson probably earned a little bit more than what we had originally thought um, when Kareem, when we first learned that Kareem Hunt was going to be out, you know, three weeks plus, you know, or maybe it's just three, whatever it's going to be. But Chubb was out there for, 50, for 56% of the snaps, handled 73% of the rushing attempts. So that's that's an uptick from where he had been before. Before, you know, he had hovered around the 50, the 60% mark. So if he's going to be up over 75%, like you said, I think that's good. The thing is, what we were really hoping, though, for him, you know, Ian, was just get him a little bit more involved in the passing game. And that just didn't really come to fruition. We had um, long down and distance, 0% um, of those snaps went to Nick Chubb. 90% went to Dearness Johnson. 100% of the two-minute offense went to Dearness Johnson. So it doesn't look like... We're going to see an expanded role in the passing game at all. He was only out there 35% of the time he was in a route when the Browns were passing the ball. So, look, we'll take it. We'll take the extra carries. Um, but without a little bit more additional passing work, which we have seen in a few games in the past from Nick Chubb, um, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be quite as fruitful as what we thought. But like you said, look, anytime you're going to get Chubb at 75% of the attempts on a team willing to run the ball a lot, that's still going to be good. On the Steelers side of the ball, we did see Pat Fryermuth with Eric Ebron out of the game. He was out there for 78% of the snaps, 67% of the routes. So those are not elite numbers for tight ends, but that is a big step forward from where he's been, which has been down like in the 30% range. Um, he was actually second on the team in target share at 18% behind the man you already mentioned, Deontay Johnson. I think Ben Roethlisberger is going out tonight as Deontay Johnson for Halloween. That's how much he loves him. He's got a Deontay Johnson costume. I mean... Um, those two guys must be best friends. I mean, we talk a lot about Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford getting together for breakfast. These two guys, they're doing, I think they're doing breakfast, lunch, everything. Um, so Fryermuth, you know, you can probably use him, you know, as long as Eric Ebron's out. Think of him as high-end, tight end two, low-end, tight end one. That's really where his utilization range is at. Uh, 1.83 um, yards per route run. That's pretty salty. Uh, the only other thing of note, Chase Claypool was out there a ton, 97% of the routes. Um, he only saw 15% of the targets, but we know his days will come, um, you know, once we get into the right game script. You know, it's just one of those situations where it didn't happen today. And yeah, Fryermuth did actually come down with the Steelers' lone touchdown catch in this one. Pretty freaking awesome contested catch in the back of the end zone on fourth and goal. So we've seen Big Ben really trust him all season. And I think kind of start to take away a lot of what Ebron is bringing to the table. But yes, once Ebron is healthy, probably going to be just involved enough to reduce Fryermuth back to more of a tight end two. And Fantasyland future is very bright though. PFF Lily stat, just a cool matchup stat. No crazy, you know, abbreviation going on there. But it does 
involve Deontay Johnson. His targets in non-injury impacted games with Big Ben since week one of 2020. Get ready for some large numbers, people. 10, 13, 15, 10, 11, 16, 13, 12. Seven in the game that he got benched for drops against the Bills last year. After that, 13, 14, 16, 10, 12, 13. Two randomly in a game this year when one of those he caught for a 55-yard touchdown. After that, back-to-back weeks with 13. So Deontay Johnson, even if Ben isn't efficient enough to make him a true wide receiver one, he has the workload of a wide receiver one, and he's good enough to still provide oodles of upside wide receiver two value pretty much regardless of the opponent. Next game, we had the Panthers take down the Falcons 19-13. to 13. I, Like, look, I watched this game, and I looked up in the fourth quarter, and I was still like, how are the Panthers up 19-10 to 10 at this point in the game over the Falcons? Just one of those games. I mean, when neither quarterback is going to throw for even 150 yards, it's just hard to have uh, too much fantasy football goodness happens in this one. I want to give a shout-out, though, to Mike Davis, who... Got back, getting some usage, non-carries, so did Cordero Patterson. So last week when we saw Davis play that 60% snap rate, only have four carries. I'm, I think that was probably more of an aberration, just a weird kind of game, how it worked out. They aren't really kicking him to the curb in this offense, which I don't think he should be. Clearly, Patterson deserves to be featured as a superior running back. He's been the better player. But Mike Davis is not bad, people, and he showed that off in the first half. First, he completely truck-sticked a guy. Then he hurdled a fellow professional athlete, and later he had one those sick cutback runs that just you know will take a foam analyst from six to midnight wants to get the all 22 in their hands so truly mike davis making a ton of good things happen but of course cordero patterson another week another touchdown this time he was lined up as a true wide receiver just took a simple curl and broke a tackle went all the way for six i believe it was 18 yards so great big players make big plays in big games that has been the cpat experience all year long Multiple sheeshes in this one, though. We had DJ Moore drop a perfectly thrown touchdown from Sam Darnold. Would have been good for about 10, 13 yards, if my memory serves me correctly. We have seen DJ battle with the drops, but again, Dwayne, we don't really care about drops. They tend to just indicate a player is getting open a lot. So I know it's been an annoying stretch for DJ Moore. Just continue to go back to him. He's got the volume. He's got the talent. And hey, if people really want to sell high on I mean not at this point sell low on DJ Moore I find it tough to believe but if those people are out there go ahead because Robbie Anderson unfortunately could be out for a little bit I'm I didn't see if he for sure got put in the concussion protocol but man he got jacked up when Darnold really just laid him out to dry man it was another hospital ball it's what got Terrence Marshall put in the concussion protocol a couple weeks ago in the first place so Darnold you know we still saw a couple occasions of him making these tight window throws but more and more, you can just really tell that not only is he, it's almost like Dwayne, we were talking about this on the NFL uh, pregame show that I do every Sunday with the gang. Like, it's on, like, Donald at this point is like not even meeting, like, he's going below expectations because even I didn't think he could be like worse than he was with the Jets. I just didn't think he was ever going to be good. I thought, okay, better supporting cast, better coach. It would make sense if Darnold goes from god awful to like below average. At this point, he hasn't even really gotten better when you look at the entire season. Yeah, we'll always have those early season games against the Texans and whoever else they got set up with. But as it stands right now, people, Sam Darnold is not looking like that guy, pal. Also would note that Kyle Pitts dropped a pretty solid 20-yarder down the 
the sideline, had a chance at a touchdown, you know, if he does have his quote-unquote generational yak ability that many have allotted. But yeah, 11 targets, just two catches for Kyle Pitts, 13 yards, not his day. I'm sorry, that was actually six targets. Um, I, I misread his long catch, which was for 11. So that's on me. Either way, not a great day for Kyle Pitts, the tight end who actually plays wide receiver. Uh, Dwayne, that was my major notes from this one real quick on the injuries. Sam Darnold is in the concussion protocol after he let Robbie Anderson get hit a little bit later in that game. He chose not to slide and it was working out for him for a while. 66 rushing yards for Donald in this one. But yeah, got to keep yourself healthy, bro. And we also have Matt Ryan. You know, we had the Kurt Schilling bloody sock game a while back. You know, Matt Ryan didn't get the win, so I doubt this will be remembered. But he got his left hand stepped on bad. It was awfully bloody. He continued to play through the pain. So yeah, pretty brutal day for Ryan. Two picks, three sacks. But just note he was playing hurt. And on Calvin Ridley. So Calvin actually was, as many of you probably know, a late scratch in this one before kickoff. Out again with personal matter. And Ridley has gone on Twitter, released a statement for him, released a statement himself. This is what Calvin said. These past few weeks have been very challenging. And as much as I'd like to be on the field competing with my teammates, I need to step away from football at this time and focus on my mental well-being. This will help me be the best version of myself now and in the future. I want to thank my teammates, entire Atlanta Falcons organization, our great fans, my friends, and my family for all their support during this time. Calvin Ridley, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, and I'm sure all of you out there also support Calvin getting that mind right. So it's something he needs to take care of far more importantly than anything going on on the field. So, Dwayne, the big thing, I guess, that stuck out to me here from a usage perspective was, one, Amir Abdullah is on the Panthers now, and two, he's actually getting used on the Panthers now. So I know Chuba had 24 carries, and he found his way into the end zone once, certainly didn't burn fantasy managers. But, you know, we were pretty happy about Rodney Smith being out of the picture. Maybe we could look at that a little bit closer and said, you know, if Rodney, Rodney Smith is in the picture in the first place, this might not be the uh, strongest usage situation for Chuba. Well, Chuba still had 100% of the two-minute offense. He had Great. almost okay. half, yeah, almost half of the long down and distance, 60% of the short down and distance, um, 53% of the rushing attempts. So look, he's just not a an every single down back, but he's almost an every down back. You know, and we're getting close to McCaffrey being back anyway. But yeah, Abdullah did work in. He saw 38% of the long down and distance, handled 18% of the rushing attempts. Just really more of a nuisance to 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 Chuba than anything else, really. Um, as far as the rest of the Panthers. You know, you mentioned it. Look, it's just it's just disappointing, you know, to have these kind of weapons and then to really just see these passing games take, you know, these steps backward. Obviously, the Panthers have been on a downward slide for the last few weeks, but only 129 yards passing from Sam Darnold. Like, come on, man. Like, that's that's terrible, Ian. Like, so like we could talk about utilization all day. I mean, you could have an 80% target share, and who gives a shit? Like, when you can only throw the ball for 130 yards, like, it's just terrible. Um, Matt Ryan had 146 yards, so he had really taken a step forward over the last three weeks. So, we'll see. You know, you don't want to overreact. It is tough when you don't have um, Calvin Ridley. I know they've played a game without him already, um, but even if Calvin Ridley wasn't necessarily playing at, you know, his normal tip-top shape, like, other teams had to really pay attention to him. And so, you saw today that really came through, you know, when whenever you look at Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was great as far as his utilization, you know, routes and um, snaps. All those sort of things were great. Target share was good at 23%. Air yards led the team at 44%. But man, yards per route run, only 0.43. Only 50% of the balls that were thrown to Kyle Pitts were catchable. So they're going to have to work on the offense a little bit. It was also a matchup thing for them. You know, the Panthers have actually given a few different teams some problems. Um, 
And so we'll have to see what happens with that. As far as, you know, Ridley being out, um, Russell Gage, you know, this is his second week back. He was out there for 68% of the routes, but then they also had Tajay Sharp at 68% of the routes. So, and, and you know, Corderell Patterson's getting out there. He was out there for 50% of the routes. I want to say 15% of his, uh, 15 of his snaps today actually came out wide or in the slot. Um, so, you know, he's probably out there 30 to 40%. So they're really, they're not committing to any one of these players, at least so far, you know, Ian. Um, and Russell Gage, like after really having a nice, you know, game last week, he saw 0%, you know, of the targets. And it was Tajay Sharp seeing 23%, which tied Kyle Pitts for the lead on the team. Then you had Corderell Patterson behind that at 19%. And then the guy you mentioned already, 19% for Mike Davis, you know, as well. Patterson handled 47% of the rushing attempts. Um, you know, like I mentioned, he was working outside, working in the slot, running back, like he has been 60% of the snaps, not quite as high as last week, but this is the third week in a row where Patterson has either tied or led Mike Davis in rushing attempts. So um, we're seeing Patterson, you know, we've seen him play running back in the past, but it was really more of kind of, hey, we're going to sprinkle you in. Like, I think at this point, we kind of got to say, like, this is a 50-50 split in the backfield. And then on top of that, you're going to get work outside with Patterson. He's, I mean, he's a mid-range to high-end RB2 the rest of the way. He sure is. And that leads us right into our PFF Lily matchup stat, which is Cordero Patterson's fantasy finishes this year. Week one, you know, coming to his own, RB36. But after that, people, RB4, RB19, RB1, RB16, RB19. And pre-Sunday Night Football, the fantasy football RB11 and that is full point per reception scoring for those counting at home Bills took down the Dolphins 25 to 11 which caused Miami to cover as 15 point dogs I believe the Bills actually went for two late in this one and weren't able to get it so that is a sheesh for anyone that was holding a uh, Buffalo Bills minus 15 ticket the under obviously cashed at 48 and a half points so yeah in this one man we kind of talked about it on the podcast Wayne it ended up being something that people like should truly be kicking themselves over but it did feel like a Devontae Parker trade showcase game potentially 11 targets caught eight of them for 85 yards and we saw that familiar just contested catch beast ability and he was putting this on display before he got hurt he looked healthy enough out there man shoulder hamstring dealing with both of these things and he looked good out there so hey Dolphins have a good receiver. Like, I don't look at this offense and say, like, we need to get rid of Devontae Parker in order to bring out more with Tua, but maybe they can go fetch something good um, and on the trade wire. And obviously, if we see Parker go somewhere, um, you know, I don't want to go through the whole list of teams right now where he could be a fantasy factor, but I do think he is healthy enough and still good enough in the right situation to put up some numbers. And he really was the best wide receiver on the field for the Dolphins today because Jalen Waddle, man, we're used to getting a lot of receptions, a lot of targets, and not many yards. Today, we did got the whole not many yards thing still had a lot of targets 12 of them to be specific just four catches though so just seems like a lot of times man Waddle and Tua talking on the sideline not quite on the same page a couple of the interceptions over the past few weeks have seemingly been due to miscommunication between the pair hey kind of makes sense that it's a rookie that hasn't gotten a lot of chances with this young QB yet as well so wouldn't you know freak out too much we are still seeing them really try to invest in Waddle and the fact that he had 12 targets I understand you know we need production 
production out of this. We're not in point per target leagues or anything, but the fact he did get that with a returning Devontae Parker is still good news. Really the big loser from Parker coming back, and it's crazy how it works out this way, Dwayne. The wide receivers come back into the offense, and who takes a step back? The wide receiver that is playing tight end, Mike Jasicki. He still ended up having 48 yards, caught three of his four targets, and he also caught a two-point conversion, so certainly didn't kill your lineup, but I still think when it's Parker, Fuller, and Waddle on the field, Jasicki is probably going to be the number four pass game option more weeks than not. Maybe even five, because Miles Gaskin without uh, Malcolm Brown in the picture did have four targets and a team-high 12 carries. Didn't really have a big game because the Dolphins scored 11 points. Again, no one really had a big game here, but the good news was, at least on the surface, we didn't see now new number three running back Patrick Laird have anywhere near as big of a role as Malcolm Brown. On the Bills side of things, so Manny Sanders goose-egged, but this isn't something that we should really freak out about people. He actually led the week in unrealized air yards. He was the only guy over 100. Um, in that and again for those that don't know that metric basically air yards if I throw a 50 yard incompletion to Dwayne he gets zero reception yards 50 air yards so when we take that difference that, that'd be minus 50 um, unrealized air yards there and that basically shows you it should show you some potential boom candidates guys that have had much better volume than their box scores would indicate so Sanders could have been a bigger day but wasn't and honestly it just wasn't you know, one of Josh Allen's sharper days he did miss Sanders on what could have been a chunk like 50 50-yard touchdown down the sideline. It would have needed to be a perfect throw, but you know what? Josh Allen was pretty perfect for most of 2020, so slight, you know, smaller uh, on the sheesh scale, I would say, than usual, but still a sheesh nonetheless. And then also, Stefan Diggs, who did catch five passes of 40 yards and a score, looked like he had all sorts of running room early on a play where Allen got outside the pocket. Unfortunately, just sailed it right over and missed him. So Diggs continues to have good, not great games, Obviously, someone you you to continue to start every week, and I do think once we get the best version of Diggs with the best version of, of Allen in a single game, which happened all the freaking time in 2020, we're going to see him back into that top five. The real winner of the day was Cole Beasley. 10 catches, 110 yards, and zero scores on 13 targets with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard really paying most attention to these outside guys. It made sense that we saw Josh go to more Beasley. And then, like we said here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, who won out with Dawson Knox? sideline Tommy Sweeney nope it really was Gabriel Davis five targets caught four of them for 29 yards and had an easy red zone touchdown so Gabriel Davis and you know again Tyler Johnson those have kind of been the two receivers we pinpointed here on this podcast throughout the year as just saying hey if you can have the roster spot if you want to get a wide receiver four that has the potential to really take a leap up if one of the team's top three receivers go down Gabriel Davis is that guy Josh Allen also chipped in 55 yards and a rushing score on the ground because of course he did he's Josh Allen a fantasy football superstar even before Josh became a great real life quarterback he was always great in fantasy people so business as usual for Josh did not see any main injuries in this one. Just remember, Malcolm Brown is on the IR. And again, Dwayne, it seems like the backfield usage, it is now Miles Gaskin, RB2 season. Well, maybe. I maybe. Mean, oh, no, it, don't give me that. Dude, it's like, I don't get it. I don't get the Dolphins coaching staff. They still really didn't expand Gaskin's role. Yeah, he handled 57% of the rushing attempts, but we've seen him do that multiple times. Actually, he had more than that even last week. Um, they didn't give him all the long down distance work. They kept him at 40%. They didn't give him all the two minute work. They kept that at 50%. They basically gave Patrick Laird all of the work that was just a nuisance, right? That we had seen before with Malcolm Brown. Not enough to make Patrick Laird himself worth something in fantasy football. 
but enough that whenever you're on a team like the Dolphins that don't run the ball very much, you need everything you can get, right, for whoever's going to be the back. And so Gaskins was out there, or Gaskin was out there 58% of the snaps, 48% of the routes, which we really want him to be up like at 65-70% because he's a good receiver out of the backfield. Um, already mentioned the rushing attempts, 57%. He did get 100% of the short down and distance, but only 40% of long down and distance, 55% of the two-minute offense. So he didn't really see an expansion in his role. We were hoping for more. Salvin Ahmed really kept his role the same, too. He's mostly just the relief on the ground, 33% of the rushing attempts, but not any work in the passing game, only 17% of the routes. And then Patrick Laird, um, jack of all trades, pain in, pain in everyone's ass. That's what he did today. Um, Mike, Mike um, Gusecki, actually, 97% of the snaps, 98% of the routes. Like, that is super elite. So, I don't know if that's going to stick. You know, Ian, I have no clue. But that's by far, like, Gusecki's on a great trend. I know he didn't come through in the box score today, but, like, this is the best utilization box score as far as like his underlying routes and snaps and everything go like that I've ever seen from him in his entire career. Um, he was only targeted 11% of the time, but just something to keep an eye on. I'm with you. I don't know for sure what's going to happen when Fuller comes back, um, you know, and who knows, you know, when that's going to be or what that's going to look like. But right now, I mean, they're really, they're getting, and the interesting thing is they're doing it where they're getting Gasicki and Waddle out there together, which had really been a problem early in the season because Waddle was out there for 94% of the pass plays. Devontae Parker, his routes per pass play, 98%. So those were really the three main guys. Waddle and Parker, they were both lead. They both led the team in target share at 31% each. Um, Waddle, the issue, you mentioned it, he and Tua just weren't on the same page. Only 45% of his passes today were catchable. So that, that creates issues. Um, 73, uh, 0.73 yards per route run, whereas with Devonta Parker, 2.02, 82% of Parker's passes were catchable today. So I think if, if uh, Gasecki can stay anywhere near this, because really we just need him in to be at you know, 80% you know, of the routes because his historical targets per route run rate is typically around 20%. When you put those two things together, it's really good. So I'm actually encouraged with Mike Gasicki today. I do agree with you, though. I don't know what it's going to look like once we have everyone back healthy, but I thought it was interesting that they found a way to keep him on the field so much when you get Parker back and... You know, we had seen in the past, anytime Waddle had big snaps, it was kind of like they would, if one was on the field, the other was off. So we're also getting to see Waddle play, you know, outside more, obviously. As far as the Bills go, look, Zach Moss is, it it hasn't mattered yet for fantasy football, but Zach Moss, you know, is, he's splitting the carries pretty much evenly with Singletary, but he's getting all the other opportunities at this point. You know, he played 64% of the snaps versus 34%. In a route, 54% versus 25%. Short down and distance, 100% of the work. Again, to Zach Moss. 69% of the long down distance to Zach Moss. 100% of the two-minute offense to Zach Moss. So eventually it's going to matter one of these weeks. I can't tell you which one he in, but his utilization is is good. He's on a good offense. They do like to pass the ball more than they like to run it. You know, So it's kind of a nuisance to still be splitting carries with another back. But typically... You know, if we've got a situation where we've got an offense like this, at some point that's going to come through. That utilization tells me he should be a a patented a patented Ian Hardit's low end RB two, um, but right now he's he's really performing more like an RB three. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Now, people, I'm not apologizing, but we will <laughs> have to uh, change our view on Jasicki just a little bit because 
Two claps for Mike. 14 snaps as an inline tight end today. 14. He had 18 snaps as an inline tight end weeks one through seven combined. Yes, he still um. played. He still played a pure wide receiver as on 79% of his snaps, which is the highest mark in the entire league, even only including this game. So he's still a wide receiver, Dwayne. So that's why I'm not apologizing. <laughs> but he's at least playing a little bit more tight end. Maybe this week I won't make fun of the situation as much. Again, he's a great receiver. It shouldn't matter what we call him, but I think we should call him where he lines up, and that is wide receiver. But enough of that. I'm sure people are tired of me talking about that enough as it is. PFF Lily stat is for our guy Josh Allen. I mentioned he had that rushing touchdown. Here are the top 10 rushing touchdown scores since 2018. Derrick Henry, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, and tied with Christian McCaffrey at 28 rushing touchdowns is none other than Josh Allen. Not even fluky people. Nobody, again, they're tied at 28 rushing scores. Nobody else has more than 24. So there are literally 11 guys that have been a class of their own in terms of scoring rushing touchdowns since 2018. 10 of them are running backs. One of them is your favorite superhero's favorite superhero, Josh Allen. 49ers took down the Bears 33 to 22. San Fran covered as three and a half point favorites. The over cashed at 41. So it looked like kind of early in this one that Jimmy G could, you know, be having one of those just down games. And honestly, he didn't do a ton here. Like he threw an 80, if you want to say through, I'm. Um, YouTubers can see it. Anyone on Spotify and iTunes, I'm doing like the finger quotation things like 83 yard hookup with Debo Samuel. That was a screen on third and 19. So Jimmy is great at existing in like the one second between getting the snap and finding wherever the hell Debo Samuel is on the field. And because of that, Debo had 171 yards on nine targets and Jimmy G ended up going for 322. So that was my biggest takeaway, man. Debo Samuel is a monster. He had an 83 yard catch. He had a 50 yard catch and just credit to him overall for expanding his game because as much as he is great at the screens, the pop passes, those yak beaters, he has shown more ability than ever this year to work in the inter intermediate, deeper areas of the field. So I feel like because of how pissed off everyone has been about Brandon Ayuk's usage, we haven't like been taking time to give Debo enough credit for how great he has been in his own right. So Debo just continuing the ball out and, you know, spoiler alert, our PFF Lily stat will be praising him um, plenty as well. With the backfield, it's Elijah Mitchell's world, people. I know we didn't get the big payoff from using all that fab on him back in week two, but it is now coming. 18 carries, 137 yards, and a touchdown. Continued to look great doing it the whole time. Yes, we're going to continue to lose more pass down work than we would like to Jermichael Hasty. This isn't a three-down workhorse, but it's a definition of an upside RB2, I think, moving forward, particularly with Jimmy G. You know, not looking like he's leaving anytime soon. Dwayne, I actually saw you, I think, quote tweet it. Uh, uh, this is very interesting. The idea, I'm not sure who's the reporter um, talking about this, the potential that about the Mac Jones thing. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'll have to look it up. I can't remember his name. Um, Tim, Tim something. But Basically, yeah. just, yeah, I'll, I'll summarize it real quick. Yeah. So remember, everyone, like the entire lead up to the draft, we had all these weird reports and rumors that Mac Jones was the 49ers pick. And this was from, you know, pretty like Adam Schefter level people. This wasn't just a one-off kind of report that everyone ran with. It did seem like most of the tuned in national media were uh, really just getting behind us. And okay, I found him. Tim, uh, Tim Kawakami, if I'm saying it right. So he said- I know you don't do pronunciations, so I gave it a shot at you. Hey, no, Dwayne, you're a pronunciation guy now. You have uh, earned that mantle for yourself, so I'm now so it's on you, man. So, I'm so excited. Knock yourself this. out, Dwayne. You wanted it, you got it. But this is from Tim. 
I've written this. I believe he, I believe he, meaning Kyle Shanahan, initially wanted to draft Mac Jones, changed to Lance late in the process after many in the building argued against Jones and now is handling the situation as if he didn't really want Lance. That might change, but it's one explanation. I don't know, Dwayne, sure kind of adds up to me with the way they've been yeah. using these guys. So it with does. that in mind, again, if Jimmy G is under center, people, that's great news for Debo. It's great news for Elijah. It's great news for Kittle. It's great news for everyone except the 49ers and except for Trey Lance fantasy football investors because when we have a quarterback that's going to suck up potentially 15 you know rush attempts per game even 10 it's just going to be hard for the passing game and even the running backs to really get there so something to keep in mind as much as you know we're going to continue to mock Jimmy G a little bit here and there but to his credit zero sacks in this one zero picks wasn't making the turnovers like we usually see it is good for the fantasy prospects of the rest of the offense and we saw that really on display today with Mitchell and Debo but of course Jimmy G did have to piss us off a little bit because he had not one but two rushing touchdowns inside the five-yard line on his own literally a read option and it's just really it's a three week it's a three week or two week trend is it three weeks now of him running down in distance um they haven't used elijah mitchell they don't use him well (laughs) yeah they let the quarterbacks run it or they give it to hasty or they give it to use check i i don't i don't I don't know. Let I me mean, see how long three, the touchdown was. Yeah. The long the touchdown was over 10 yards, I know, because 85% of Elijah Mitchell's yards came on carries of 10 yards or more. There were five of those for him today. It was five um, yards. So, touchdown was five. Was it? It's on the border, yeah. Okay. Now, the crazy thing with the touchdown, though, and one of my buddies was a uh, – I, I thought – he was complaining to me. I was like a, my you know friend group me. Brought up a good point. At what point? Because it's illegal. Like, remember the famous picture of Bart Starr scoring a touchdown against the Cowboys in the Ice Bowl? Uh, I think it's Jerry Kramer was the guy behind him, and he had his hands up like he was signaling touchdown. But he said afterwards, he's like, no, I wasn't signaling touchdown. I just wasn't pushing him because you weren't. Did they change that rule, Dwayne? Like, I didn't think you're supposed to be able to push a ball carrier to get them in the end zone. But Mitchell had it today where he probably got stuffed like one Austin yard Austin Eckler down. gets it every week, whether it's his team or the other one. Eckler had it, and there was another one. Now, I got in my notes somewhere, but oh, I was right when they dragged him in there. Where, yeah, like these guys get stuffed at the goal line, not even the goal line, like in the backfield, and their whole line just pushes them five yards. It's the like the doesn't. Flintstones. It's like the guy's not even on the ground anymore. Everybody's picked him up, and you just see the feet. It's like a rugby like scrum, man. It's yeah, absolutely that's ridiculous. That's exactly what it is. That's what so, I immediately thought. It's like a scrum. Yeah. yeah, so we didn't get the Mitchell touchdowns when Jimmy G was inside the five-yard line, but at least we got the rugby scrum uh, finding his way into the end zone there. So that's on the uh, 49ers side of things. Now, Bears fans, you didn't get the win, but this was by far the best that Justin Fields has looked. I did find it funny that, you know, Matt Nagy being out with COVID, and obviously we hope uh, Coach Nagy and stuff recovers just fine. Like, Justin Fields' best play of the day by far was this reverse field, broken play, scrambling 22-yard touchdown touchdown run and people are like see what happens when Nagy's gone it's like all right everyone that was a <laughs> I think that happens with or without Nagy but I get it I get the frustration just a funny um thing I kind of picked up on out there but Fields on the day man still took four sacks uh but really just other than you know tough to say this other than the two fumbles and PFF Lily's let me know in the background about those fumbles I'm just other- glad that Lily's speaking that, that Lily's speaking up like I like this it's normal <laughs> my dogs Lily good job 
Good letting job. The, letting the people know. But yes, Fields, you know, still holding the ball a little long. We had the four sacks. We had the two fumbles. His only pick of the day was down 11 late, just trying to make something happen deep. So I wouldn't ping him on that. But we finally were just seeing examples of the arm talent and the big plays that have been missing. The touchdown to Jesse James rolling to his left and still finding a way to throw an accurate laser in the end zone was really impressive. And I believe he had another one of those going to his left where he got Mooney for a solid gain. So only 175 passing yards. But look, like he has really in the past only been flashing these this big play ability when he's taking these seven-step drops. He has a perfect pocket. He's able to put the ball downfield in rhythm. Like we knew he had this ability to run the ball and create off script in his, you know, bag of tricks. We just hadn't seen it yet. Again, seeing those throws rolling out to his left and just having 103 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground kind of flashed that fancy upside that all of us were so, you know, intrigued by throughout the offseason and the early parts of the regular season. So credit to fields for you know showing up more so than past weeks still didn't do anything for Allen robinson three catches 21 yards and you know darnell mooney six catches 64 yards Dwayne, it's almost like fields is better at throwing to the guys he got to practice with in august compared to the guys that he's still learning how to work with uh funny how that works Final note on the Bears. One, Jimmy Graham has a no-trade clause. Two, Khalil Herbert, 23 carries, two catches. Unfortunately, just 68 scoreless yards. So this is what I love about fantasy, Dwayne. Like, I was so far in on Khalil Herbert having this workhorse role this week. I felt really good about it. He had low projected ownership across the industry in DFS. I had him ranked higher than most people in the industry, you know, just based on this usage. And 25 touches, and we got... uh, 8.8 PPR points out of it. That's just uh, how the cookie crumbles sometimes. As Dwayne put in the sit stone a couple weeks ago, we can't read the future. We can read data. We'll continue to do that. Dwayne, I heard you talking again about Mitchell not having that uh, short yardage work. Let's break down these splits specifically with him and Jermichael Hasty because Lord knows Trey Sermon is out of the picture by now. Yeah, I won't spend a ton of time on it, but basically, Hasty's getting most of the short down and distance work all the long down and distance work, all the two minute offense. Um, so, and, but we've seen this really from the Shanahan offense now, you know, Ian, um, it's not that he's ever, not ever willing to use just one back, but really we've seen this trend for the last three to four years. Um, and he's got these very specific roles that he likes to use. And so hasty, um, is going to continue to be a problem, but you know, Mitchell's an explosive player. We saw that, like I mentioned a minute ago, 85%, you know, of his yards today came on carries of 10 yards or more. So that's really great. Uh, 28% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Um, so he's really, he's starting to get into a groove, um, you know, and they're, they know what they're trying to do with him from a, from a scheme perspective. The big note that I have on the 49ers side, Ian, is 97% route run Don't per drop me. back for Don't Brandon Ayuk. Oh my gosh, we're back. What is happening? What is happening? So 88% of the snaps, 97% routes per pass play. He was out there, um, saw 27% of the targets, second on the team to Debo Samuel, 35%. Um, targets per route run, 26%. Second on the team behind Debo, 38%. So, yeah, I mean, look, Ayuk, that's really good for him. Now, we're going to get Kittle back. And this is an offense where, you know, they like to run. They like to be balanced. So, I don't know, 
and, and we've got quarterback issues. So I don't know what this thing looks like here in a few in a in a week or two, whenever you get Kittle back, whenever that happens. I know Kittle's eligible, I believe, to come back next week. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But still, if Ayuk's gonna be out there that much, that's that's encouraging. That's all we can ask for at this point in Brandon Ayuk's season. As far as the Bears go. Real uh, um, Jordan, uh real yeah, quick yeah. on Ayuk because we did see him. He got the seven targets. He's at least seemingly separated himself from Mohamed Sanu and the Trent Sherfields of the world, which, hey, we all thought was a foregone conclusion, but it is what it is. Over the past two weeks, I did have my film grinder hat on a little bit during this week going through and looking at some of Ayuk's routes. They have been trying to get him some big play opportunities, and we got to yes. give Shanahan a little bit credit for that. Against the Colts, there was a play. So usually they have Kittle run this route, but he basically does like – a post corner, but they run it so like he's like doing like almost a flag to like the open part of I the saw field. This play. Yep. Yeah, against the Colts. And Ayuk had the guy twisted, wide open downfield. Jimmy G wanted to throw it there. He just got hit as he was throwing, so it didn't work out. And then this week, they actually put Ayuk as the lone receiver to his side, and like they did some motion on the other side. Set up a one-on-one situation for Ayuk. Jimmy G put the slant on target, and honestly, the Bears defender just made a perfect play, got his hand in there at the last second. So I know we haven't gotten fantasy points for these things, and it could be a case where Kittle comes back and all of a sudden he's getting these high leverage opportunities. But small baby steps, Dwayne, that at least we know. Yeah. We have well, now, now five like, weeks ago. Ayuk should at least be on rosters in, in most formats. Um, there we if go. you're in a really small format, you have to worry about it. If you're in a medium to a larger league, Ayuk should be on rosters. As of a week ago, like honestly, like I, we couldn't even say that. We, I mean, it's basically <laughs> like, well, you got to release Brennan Ayuk. What? You're still holding on to him? You should have already released him was kind of where my head was at, um, unless you were in a really deep format. And so, look, we know talent, you know, it doesn't always win out. But having the talent, having the historical, you know, um, data points that he has in his back pocket with what he did as a rookie, we knew those things were really good. And it's really hard for them just to completely disappear. So hopefully that's what we're seeing is that he, for what, whatever happened that kept him in the doghouse until now, whether it was health or, you know, um, who knows what was going on with him and his coach and, and everything like that. But all we can take to your point is this one data point, the 97% of the routes is, is a huge thing. And so let's just see where it goes from here. He should be on rosters in most formats. Um, real quick on the Bears, Justin Fields did have 10 rushing attempts. Eight of those were scrambles. So still, we're not getting the design rushing attempts we want. We'd like to see that up around 15, 25%, like what we get with Jalen Hurts, like what we get with um, Lamar Jackson. It was only at 4% today, but those eight scrambles were really good, as you've already mentioned. And you know, you heard me talk about Elijah Mitchell and what he did. So 81% of Justin Fields' yards also came on runs of 10 yards or more. He had, he, he actually, he equaled Mitchell. He had five of those as well. Um, and he did it on far less, you know, work. He only had 10 opportunities to run the football so that was really good for fields like you mentioned already um so i won't spend a lot of time like still a long time to throw still taking too many sacks um still things that i don't necessarily love but what we're seeing with fields is this is what we talked about early on is look he could just be an average quarterback but if his legs are engaged and we get to use that facet right it's really hard for him to not be a top 10 quarterback every week and that's what we're going to see this week so Let's see if we can keep the momentum going. Khalil Herbert, you know, we've got next week and then you get a bye week for the Bears. So you'll probably get, you know, David Montgomery back after that. I say probably. I haven't heard anything new on Montgomery, so we'll have to read up on that more. But let's assume we get David Montgomery back that week after the bye. 
I think Herbert has done enough at this point, and I'm kind of wondering, like, does Damian Williams even have a role anymore? Like today, Damian Williams, and it could still be COVID. I mean, we are two weeks removed. I know you mentioned that last week, but 6% of the snaps today, that's it. 7% I did see one note, and so with injuries, I try to see what I can on Twitter. I see what I can during the broadcast, and then I have two or three sources that I just comb through to see if they have updated anything. So I didn't see with my own two eyes or on Twitter, but someone is saying that Damian Williams suffered a knee injury, wasn't able to Mm. return afterwards. So something to keep an eye on throughout the week. That makes sense. I haven't broken these down by quarter yet because that's yeah. what I – when I go back and look deeper, I look to see, okay, is there some point where they just stop getting carries and then that triggers me to do what you just said. Okay, like let's go like Google the news, see what happened. Okay, well, that makes sense. Um, that's really it on the Bears. We can move forward. Yeah, and uh, at one point it looked like Herbert actually got banged up, but he he obviously came back out there, handled that gigantic workload. PFF Lily stat is for Debo Samuel in this one. And it's our yards per route run leaderboard. Again, one of, I think, the best stats that PFF offers. And if you just want to try to figure out the most efficient wide receiver in the NFL, what better way than yards per route run? Just four players are at at least three yards per route run this year. Jamar Chase has exactly three. Devontae Adams at 3.25. Cooper Cup at 3.35. And in first place, Debo Samuel, 3.69. I think that's going to come back down closer to three, if not below, because pretty much only Julio is topping three over the past decade, and he is barely doing it. So the fact that Debo is at this large of a number of people, truly exceptional stuff. Next game, don't have a ton for you here, everyone. Eagles massacred the Lions 44-6. Philly obviously covered as four-point favorites. The over just barely hit at 48. And you look at this game, I mean, the Eagles passed for 114 yards. The Lions passed for 171 yards. So, yeah, if you had a receiver here, good chance. Uh, If you had a wide receiver here, I can guarantee you nothing good happened. But we did at least get (laughs) TJ Hawkinson, 10 catches for 89 yards, and Dallas Goddard, 6 catches, 72 yards. Basically, nobody else was able to get anything going as far as wide receivers go. Jalen Rager did suffer a seemingly nasty-looking ankle injury. He needed to get carted off. Hopefully, that's not too serious, but never want to see those carts involved. And, yeah, man, you know, Devontae Smith, only three targets. It was the most among anyone that wasn't a tight end. But, you know, when Jalen Hurts completes nine passes and only throws the ball 14 times, it's going to be tough. So I do think this week, little just bit of a little bit of an outlier. But, yeah, you know, Devontae is someone, unfortunately, sliding more towards that wide receiver three borderline when I was hoping he'd be more on the wide receiver two borderline at this point uh the bigger tragedy was just this eagles backfield and hey Dwayne, we weren't out on kenneth gamewell or anything but we did say like be careful here boston scott jordan howard are going to be involved and i guess the main point we tried to preach on our waiver wire episode which is out every single tuesday here on the pff fantasy football podcast was that we weren't signing up for this three down running back in a fantasy friendly offense in the first place like miles sanders could barely scratch rv2 value when he was healthy this year why should we expect his backup to do it but even with that said like this is not a victory lap because none of us could have expected this sort of usage Kenneth Gamewell worked behind both Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, despite being the clear number two RB all season long. I mean, what in the absolute hell is going on with that? He ended up having, like, if you just look at the box score, and this is why listening to Dwayne and myself is a good idea sometimes. He had 13 carries, and Boston Scott and Jordan Howard each had 12. Here's the problem. 12 of Gamewell's 13 carries came in the fourth quarter once Gardner Minshew had replaced Jalen Hurts. So, yeah. 
Um, one of the best examples I think we could tell you guys about how important it is to look beyond the box score and see really what's going on and why you should read Dwayne's utilization report and all this stuff because numbers can lie if not given proper context. So yeah, Gamewell unstartable with this sort of role because he is literally their team's third running back. So Boston Scott and Jordan Howard both had two rushing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts had zero. He still chipped in 71 rushing yards, so didn't completely nuke your fantasy team like most quarterbacks having 103 scoreless passing yards would obviously not the performance you were looking for just uh you know i'm trying to think of the right word it's, it's ironic Dwayne, i guess that uh jalen hurts finally in a game that he's able to put up 44 points you know and not even need to have the garbage time fourth quarter gives us his worst uh fans performance <laughs> because we didn't have the fourth quarter goodness so on the yeah, line man. side of the things, the only other point is just that DeAndre Swift really busted in a game that we were expecting huge numbers with Jamal Williams, somewhat surprisingly being ruled out before the game with that thigh injury. So in his absence, we saw, oh man, Dwayne, it, hey, how, how do you pronounce it? Goblin what? You're the pronunciation expert. Go off. <laughs> I, I don't even know who you're asking no, me. Co- from the running back, man. Oh, Come on. oh, oh Godwin, this is your job. Egwabiki. You heard it from the master himself. Goblin Iquibiki, he was out there. We also had Jamar Jefferson. And basically, DeAndre Swift, he went out there and he lost a fumble when they were already down. What was the score at that point? 38-6. to six. Thir- he lost I think it was a- 31 when he fumbled it. Okay, I think you're... Well, the he scoop lost and a- score made it 38. That was Darius Slay. And then I didn't pull off the exact snaps, but looking at the play-by-play, it looked like Swift just got benched pretty much after that. Or they were down 30 freaking points, and they just he said, He was terrible. Well, Let's be honest. Swift, utilization was great. He was terrible today. He's like, been terrible he as a rusher, man. Like, he yeah, gets he his catches, been. but... He has been. But even today, his receiving grade was a 38.8. He scored, he scored a 5.2, Ian, in pass blocking. Like, that's almost impossible. That's as that, bad as it gets. It was a bad really day at the bad. office for DeAndre Swift. Um, yeah, yeah, we didn't get the fourth quarter points for him or Hurts, man. So it hurts. <laughs> I know you tweeted something similar to me. I tweeted a picture of this guy like trying to strike Flint or like get a fire, a campfire going. I'm like, damn it, you're down by 31. Ignite! Come on, come uh, Yeah, so I won't hit on anything with the Lions. Um, pretty much everything from utilization standpoint, everything's the same there. Dallas Goddard, Goddard I just want to you know point out another great week as far as utilization goes he was at 80 percent of the routes it would have been more like had he not been pulled you know late in the game and you had jack stole what a great football name it feels like it should be skull like he should have like you know a can of snuff or something like in his football (laughs) pants um richard rogers was out there a little bit and and yeah just real quick on gainwell the interesting part like is man he didn't even get the long down and distance work like the stuff he's had all season when when miles sanders has been the starter he didn't get that today now they didn't need the two-minute offense they never. They didn't run one off one offense one offensive snap from the two minute offense today. So you had Jordan Howard, twenty seven percent of the rushing attempts. Boss Scott, twenty seven percent of the rushing attempts. Kenneth Gainwell, twenty nine percent of the rushing attempts. But like Ian said, twelve of the thirteen came in the fourth quarter. So really, not much good there for Gainwell. Could still be the two minute back. But here's what I think right now, Ian, with this backfield, I don't want anything to do with it. It's another three way committee with a quarterback who could easily vulture all the rushing touchdowns you know in any given game so the Eagles backfield is going to be a complete avoid for me moving forward 
I can just, I, if someone was like, hey, Ian, you know, you work full time in this industry. We just have a, we have a fan here. They want you to like try to just like rationally explain how the Eagles were using their running backs. I, I couldn't, man. Like, Boston Scott and Howard were like splitting goal line usage with Gamewell not even having his normal job. So, <sighs> yeah, I made the joke that Nick Sirianni is just like, you know, post game presser, Kenneth Gamewell was never my friend. Just, yeah. Didn't do it. Nick, Nick Sirianni, I feel like the one thing that the Eagles got right with him is the young part of the equation. I think they <laughs> wanted a young coach based on like what you see with Staley and McVeigh and these guys. I think the rest of the equation is missing. I, TBD, we'll see. Like it's a little early. Um, Jalen Hurts has issues. Um, and I'm starting to wonder, Ian, if like Jalen Hurts and just the way Devonta, the way that when you look at Devonta Smith and he wins, right? The way he wins is with this precision type routes. I wonder if Smith doesn't need more of a timing type quarterback, right? That like they're just in complete sync. You're going to need that hyper accuracy, you know, hit him coming out of his break. And Jalen Hurst just isn't that kind of quarterback. Like he, even though he's targeting Devonta Smith, when you look at a lot of like today, only 67% of the um, passes were catchable. You know, the average for an NFL wide receiver catchable passes is 76%. So you're almost 10% below that. And this happens to him almost every week. So it's a disadvantage to Smith, and I do wonder, like, is, is the match just not right? And not that Jalen Hurts could never get there, but right now where Jalen Hurts is in his game, it's almost like he needs more of a Debo Samuel-type player, right? You know, just kind of more of a, hey, put this dude on a drag route and let him freaking just, you know, take it to the house kind of thing. Um, whereas Devonta Smith, the way he wins is really as a route technician. You know, he creates a lot of separation that way. So just something I'm thinking through um, because, like, you, you mentioned it last week on one of our pods. Look, you just got to look at Devonta Smith at this point. Even though his utilization screams wide receiver two, like, you got to look at him as a low-end wide receiver three right now. Well said. Good, sir. PFF Lily matchup stat is with Jalen Hurts and just that rushing production he brings to the table because only 11 NFL football players have at least 70 fantasy points from purely rushing production this year. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Mixon, Connor, Damian Harris, Zeke, Daryl Henderson, Nick Chubb, James Robinson, Austin Eckler, and yes, Jalen Hurts. More rushing fantasy points than Leonard Fournette, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Kamara, Lamar Jackson. Just pure madness to floor at this guy brings to the table. Please, for the love of God, do not bench him for Gardner Minshew, Philly. We need the fantasy football community needs Jalen Hurts. I also just think that'd be a silly real life, uh, real life move as well. Titans took down the Colts in an entertaining one here. 34-31, Tennessee covered as three-point dogs. The over cashed at 51. So, A.J. Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Shame on any of you that made the AJB wide receiver 79 jokes. Look, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna take the that's high hurtful, road. That's hurtful, Ian. That's hurtful. It, it was hurtful, Dwayne. Thank you. Um, yeah, look, I don't make a habit of pulling. I don't think people, you know, sending... BS and the mentions, you know, need to be quote tweeted and then just giving them the platform they want anyway. But I know you're out there and exist. You know who you are and you were wrong. AJB, 11 targets in this one, caught 10 of them for 155 yards and a touchdown. He only had one target in the first half. It was a 57-yard score on a pretty routine out route that he just took all the way to the house because sometimes kings stay kings. This was one of those days. So uh, one of the really funny moments from this one, though, which was maybe why Mike Vrabel is such a player's coach and his team seems to play hard for him, but the Titans were deep in their own territory. It was third and 12. They throw a 10-yard pass to A.J. Brown, where 
They said he didn't catch it, but either way, he got tackled two yards short. Vrabel challenges it, gets it overturned, gets AJB his 10 yards, and then they punt the ball away. So if you win your matchup on an extra like two points because AJ Brown caught that ball, you need to thank Mike Vrabel people because that should not have happened. There was no reason for it to. Uh, credit to Vrabel for looking out for the fantasy footballers in the world. So awesome game from AJB. And it's just scary with this Titans team that they've now beaten the Colts and the Chiefs and consecutive weeks and really got nothing out of Derrick Henry. 28 carries for just 68 yards in this one. Like, nothing. And Jerry McNichols, of course, we had to get the screens and get Jerry McNichols out in the open field, not Derrick Henry. I mean, what the hell is this sometimes, man? There was like an overtime play where they ran a design screen for McNichols with Derrick Henry standing on the sideline. So 28 touches. I get it. He's getting fed more than anyone ever. You can't give him every single touch. I just, it's just happened several times this year. There was a fourth down late in a game earlier this season where Henry was standing on the sideline. So beggars can't be choosers. It just does confuse me uh, when that happens. But yeah, credit to Tannehill. Three touchdowns. He had two early picks. The Colts, I mean, got up 14. It looked like this one could be turning into a romp for Indy, but Tannehill did not let that happen. Kept them in this game and ultimately got that overtime win. On the other side, of the ball. Carson Wentz, just, you know, underthrown defensive pass interference king. So uh, excuse us if we get a little bit of these target totals thrown off. But either way, Michael Pittman, 15 of them, caught 10 for 86 yards and a pair of red zone touchdowns early on. Also had like one of the best plays of the game where they just needed to get down the field, down seven late, and Wentz more or less just threw it up over the middle of the field. Pittman out, jumped four guys. So, you know, Pittman was someone where last year, Dwayne, when we talk, like I wasn't super impressed by him. So much of it was just one crosser after another. But to be fair, that's probably a just side effect of having someone like Phillip Rivers who can always get the ball to the wide open guy and doesn't need to be throwing up contested, you know, 50-50 balls to his wide receiver one in the first place. Now we're really seeing Pittman's entire skill set uh, come to fruition. So again, 15 targets. Zach Paschal had eight. Um, T.Y. Hilton had five. Nobody um, else other than Nine Hines or five were even close. So part of it... I I didn't see when he left the game, but T.Y. Hilton is in the concussion protocol. Unfortunately, guy just cannot stay healthy. But with or without T.Y. at this point, Michael Pittman should try to be squeezed in the starting lineups of all shapes and sizes. I think I had him. We talked about this in the injury show, Dwayne, so we don't need to go over too much again. But we already had him as an upside wide receiver three. I think we're going to need to try to squeeze him in the top 24 here week in and week out moving forward. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, another productive day. Just so freaking good, man. 122 total yards and a score um, early week lead with seven forced missed tackles on the ground. Nobody was close to that. And yeah, only other note is Wentz, we've been giving him credit recently. This was not one of those days. I mean, the pick six that he threw uh, to really just force the issue in the first place. This was a 24-24 game with under two minutes in the fourth. And Wentz like tried to pump fake a screen and then it seemed like he kind of lost the ball. Ended up having to throw it like left-handed from his own end zone and just threw it right to a Titans player who more or less walked into the end zone to take a seven-point lead. And then Wentz, you know, drove him down the field. He had the nice, I guess, toss-up throw to Pittman. But yeah, otherwise it was Ashton... How do you say his last name? Ashton Doolin, Dwayne, you know, you can check my pronunciation there, but I think I got it. And uh, other than that, it was just a lot of these underthrown defensive pass interference balls. I mean, can we get Torrey Smith out of retirement here and see what he can do in Indy? I think it'd be the perfect fit. Definitely going to try to find some stats this week that help quantify uh, just how much Wentz is picking up on these. So 34-31 times. Three turnover-worthy plays for for Wentz today. Zero big-time throws. Yeah. 
We've had a, I mean, it was a long time where he didn't have any turnover-worthy plays, and we gave him credit for that. So, you know, Colts yeah. fans are not hating on your guy. We're just reading the data, watching the film, and this was objectively a bad game for him. But the one thing that brings a smile to my face, Dwayne, and this box score, no Marlon Mack. Two, two RB committee again. Let's go. Yeah, man. Um, Jonathan Taylor handled 74% snaps, uh, 58% of the routes, which it, when, hey, do you get it? 65% range is nice. Now, it didn't pay off really with targets. Targets per route run, only 9%, whereas over the last several weeks, he had bumped his way up to 21% targets per route run, which was in the top 10 for running backs across the NFL. So, look, look, you're going to have these little blips, but the good news is he is out there enough on the routes, handled 85% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance. Long down and distance, two-minute offense, that still pretty much goes to Naheem Hines, but Taylor's not a complete blank on long down and distance. Handled 53%. He's been right around 50% for the last few weeks. So we know when they go to the two-minute, they're going to use Hines. But if that's all they're going to do is use Hines for the two-minute offense, 30 to 40% of the long down distance, and just to spell Taylor, and to your point, we don't have to deal with Marlon Mack, that would really go, you know, a long way. Because just look, I know it doesn't seem like a lot. Like when you look at the box score and you're like, Marlon Mack, like, yeah, like four carries. Well, I mean, four carries that could have all gone to Taylor whenever you're getting 16 and it could be 20 and you're a talent like him, it just adds up, you know, over the course of a season. So we'll have to see. But overall, yes, it's encouraging, you know, for Taylor. Utilization was strong. He was able to get a touchdown late in the game. Could have really had one early in the game. Kind of frustrating, Ian. You know, this the Frank Reich thing. I just, the more I watch Frank Reich and I watch these games, I'm like, man, like, what is he thinking? They get Jonathan Taylor. It's like a third and eight inside the 10. They do a draw play to Taylor. He makes this nice, he makes, first he makes a nice read. Then he slips a tackle, makes a little juke move, falls forward, gets the first down to give him a new set of downs. What do they do the first play? The very next play, they decide, oh, let's get Kylan Granson. Basically a rush attempt. It's one of these little push pass things. They're tied in. Let's get him an attempt down here inside the five. Like, what are you doing? Like, just give the ball to freaking Jonathan Taylor. Like, it's just so dumb. Um, So, anyway, get off my soapbox on that. You already (laughs) mentioned Michael Pittman. But, yeah, 31% of the targets. Like, dude, he was at 10 targets in the first quarter. Like, so he kind of, like, I think that – Basically, Tennessee was like, okay, like we're just going to have to like do everything we can to stop Pittman at this point because like we don't know if they have anyone else. And no one else from the Colts, in fact, was able to um, make the Titans really pay in the passing game. But, yes, like you mentioned, the utilization has really been strong. 1.59 yards per route run. I still look at Pittman as more of a – more of a possession guy. But, you know, that doesn't mean you can't be good. Like, really, DeAndre Hopkins is more of a possession receiver, and he still can be an alpha. You know what I mean? See, yeah, Ruby says yes. DeAndre (laughs) Hopkins an alpha. She likes Michael Pittman. We'll see if Lily agrees at some point. Um, But that's that's the most – that's really all I have on the Colts. If you look over at the Browns – I mean, the Browns, the Titans. The Browns are the A.J. Browns. You know, I I love A.J. Brown so much as the A.J. Browns. My dog really loves A.J. Brown, like more than me. Uh, 33% target share, 45% of the air yards. And again, man, 35% of his targets coming on play action. You know, we mentioned this on the Collinsworth podcast. You know, he's at 46% on the year, so he's going to come down a little bit by far leading the NFL in the percentage of his targets that are coming on play action. And you mentioned earlier, like, look, Derrick Henry, like getting all this work, um, every single week and teams really there's a difference with Henry um, I do believe I don't have the data like to support it but like I, I know with most teams you don't have to have you don't have to run the ball for play action to work and I think that's still always going to be true but when you have a back like Henry man it's just he's so tough to bring down 
teams really do have to it's a different right than whenever you're playing you know daryl henderson or nothing against daryl henderson or just some of these other backs um and i think that's a huge thing you know for aj brown and so especially when you don't have julio jones in the mix at all and he's getting everything funneled to him but he's really there, there's only two weapons right now in the titans you can trust and they are derrick henry and aj brown everyone else is in a complete rotation it's just a complete cluster um, and that also hurts Ryan Tannehill just because he really needs a third option, you know, that he can get the ball to. Really, he just needs a second option in the passing game that he can really go to. Because that, outside of A.J. Brown, I mean, it's really kind of – he's just taping and gluing things together, um, you know, kind of on the fly and just mix-matching these different parts. So we'll see what happens when Julio Jones gets back. Hopefully they just let him get completely healthy and we can see maybe over the last four to five games of fantasy football season we can see a healthy Julio Jones. And it was wild in this one because you just laid it out. They don't have anyone else in the passing game that they rely on than A.J. Brown. I'm sure the Colts realized that, and it just didn't matter. Again, for only one of those 11 targets to even hit the ground today just shows you the zone that Tana Thrill and A.J. B. were in. A.J. Brown, of course, gets our PFF Lily stat because, people, he has had 10 career games with more than eight targets. Oh, my goodness. 10 catches, 155 yards, and a score today. Also had 10 for 155 and one score. 133 yards and a score. 114 yards yards in the score 112 yards in the score 82 yards in the score oh my gosh 91 scoreless yards on seven catches 83 yards in the score 101 yards in the score and the only time one time in 10 games that aj brown busted on more than eight targets three catches 43 yards that seahawks game in week two where he happened to drop two deep ones downfield so the only one that can stop ajb is ajb himself and chipotle who we don't like to advertise here anymore jets took down the Bengals. The Jets, Mike White's Jets took down the Bengals 34-31. Jets covered as nine and a half point dogs. The over cashed at 43. I didn't get a chance to watch this one. You know, again, I'm trying to focus I saw on this one. Yeah, I, I saw it from the side. I still have a lot to say, but I did, uh, you know, just want to go back tomorrow and watch it again because, you know, Mike White seems to deserve that because apparently he's uh, maybe the best quarterback we've ever seen. Now, not going that far, but seriously, what a game. His, he did throw two early picks, and I believe they were both tips. So They're I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to blame him for those. Otherwise, people, 37 for 45, 405 yards and three scores. Managed to find Ty Johnson, Tyler Croft, and Braxton Berrios. Now, the Berrios one sure didn't look like a touchdown when he caught it he was like bobbling it out of bounds but whatever it counted it it'll work for the fantasy points i don't think too many of you were facing off against mike white or braxton barrios anyway shouldn't be that big of a deal and like honestly i thought it wasn't bad luck because it wasn't a touchdown but we need some sort of institution dwayne like a judges panel where if a catch is just dope and sick enough we need to count that regardless of if you maintain possession or get two feet down because keelan cole had an incredible oh. one-handed catch in the end zone but couldn't it was a god gawd moment it was incredible <laughs> he's done this before too man like 2017 or something with the jaguars he had another sick beckham like one-hander so keelan cole man you know only kind of hear about him once a year but if you go back and you know i love in the offseason just watching those like best catches of the nfl season youtube videos for hours and all that and you'll see guys like keelan cole pop up here or there this one should definitely be in that montage if any of you youtube youtube creators are out there uh looking to get a head start on that but yeah the 
the big story was current RB1 Michael Carter. 15 carries, 77 yards, and a score on the ground. Oh, and he also caught nine passes for 95 yards. Mike White likes to get his RB1 involved, and that is Michael Carter with the Jets. Like, Dwayne, now we need to monitor this because, unfortunately, I did see that he exited the game at one point with a shoulder injury. So, please, Michael Carter, be okay. We also still have Tevin Coleman out with the hammy. But right now, man... We've been kind of slow folding it, like looking at Carter, I think, as more of an upside RB3. But, you know, we'll get your usage in a minute. As long as he keeps racking up upwards of 24 freaking combined. No, with the targets, my goodness, 29 combined carries and targets in a game. That's RB1 usage, people. So I get it. It's the Jets. I, I'm cautiously thinking Mike White isn't going to be this good every single week. You know, call me, call me pessimistic. I don't know. But Michael Carter, either way, is really trending towards being a must-start guy. You know, unless this shoulder injury is going to be an issue, I would would say he is a must-start guy here moving forward with this kind of work, particularly in the pass game. So we also saw Jamison Crowder have eight catches, 84 yards, and even Ty Johnson, five catches, 71 yards, and a score. As always, people, we can live with two back backfields. Three or more is when it gets a little bit messy. So even Ty Johnson at this point, not someone I'd want to actively start, but Michael Carter at a minimum is absolutely eating here as of late. He finished last week, I think, as the overall RB6, legit RB1 usage and production right after that Jets week six bye. On the other side of things, uh, Joe Mixon, you know, not the best game on the box score, 14 carries, 33 yards, and a rushing touchdown, but he also chipped in 58 yards receiving and a tutty. Dwayne, they drew up this, like, kind of throwback uh, screen. They had Tyler Boyd get the ball, and then he threw it to Mixon. Mixon looked freaking great when he accelerated in that open field. Ended up flipping over himself, uh, you know, while he tried to get into the end zone. So 46-yard catch and run. But I just think that sometimes people look at Mixon too much as just this volume-induced guy that we only care about in fantasy because of all the touches he get. Like, you, usually, people, you get these amount of touches because you're a great player. And we have seen some flashes from Mixon being that great player over the past few weeks. So great stuff from Joe in the two-touchdown performance. Jamar Chase did drop an early touchdown and hit him right in the freaking hands or maybe even the chest whatever should have caught it uh, early chest. on inside the five yard line did get another chance later that he did catch and score for six so that was good to see him come back he didn't visualize the white stripes on the first <laughs> on the first one second one he did Got his ass. I, yeah, I think in my shish alert, I was like, oh, he thought he was in the preseason again. So we're all <laughs> we're all looking at different ways to have fun with still one of the best wide receivers in the game, regardless of experience. So not a big day from Jamar. Only caught three of his nine targets. But what happens when defenses start focusing more on Jamar? We get T. Higgins going for 97 yards, which included 54-yard bomb and just an awesome contested catch. And also Tyler Boyd, 69 yards and a touchdown. Joe Burrow in this one ended up racking up 34 pass attempts. Now, the Jets scored. 17 points in the fourth quarter. It wasn't like this was some back-and-forth shootout that would get Burrow throwing the ball a ton more than usual. Either way, it was good to see those other guys start to get a little bit more production. So let me see if I have any other notes here. Tyler Boyd could have had a second touchdown. He got wide open inside the five-yard line. I'm not sure, like, there was another receiver nearby. It seemed like Boyd kind of got spooked, maybe by a defender, and Burrow just kind of missed him. But the ball almost hit Boyd in the freaking head, so he was open. There 
was miscommunication. Either way, that's a sheesh. Could have been a two-touchdown day for Boyd. I mentioned the chase drop, and it seemed like originally, man, it was going to be a long day for Mixon, uh, fantasy managers, because he got stuffed twice at the goal line early on in a series where the Bengals ended up not scoring. In the next drive, he had this sick one-handed catch, but then he got tackled just short of the goal line as well. So early on, three missed opportunities for Mixon to find the end zone, but again, he made up for it with flying colors later. So... Dwayne, I think those are most of my notes. I did, unfortunately, continue to see Samaj P. Ryan a bit too involved on third downs for my liking. Yeah, man. Samaj P. Ryan, 73% of long down distance, <clears throat> 27% to Joe Mixon. So, not what we want to see Chris Evans, you know, miss this game. Um, so, that's two weeks in a row that we've seen Mixon not get that work. But Mixon did get 88% of the rushing attempts, 76% of the snaps. But his utilization in the passing game is going to be a little more flaky. It's going to be a little more like a Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, it's not going to be terrible, but you know, you're going to need them to design some things for him. He's going to need to be the first read. It can't just be check down stuff. It can't be late read type stuff. Um, and it's just tough on first and second down. They don't look to the backs, you know, a ton. So, so we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, but as far as the rest of this game, the big news really is Michael Carter, 70% of the snaps, 61% routes per drop back, 56% of the rushing attempts, 75% of the short down distance, 63% of the long down distance, and half of the two minute offense, 41% targets per route run. <laughs> like that's nuts. 28% target share, 2.97 yards per route run as a running back. Like, so Michael Carter, go have a day. Um, scored well across all of his grades are good, a 71.5 in receiving. Rushing grade was a 74.8. Um, so, like, he's looking really good. Um, and, and, like, you, you've mentioned him last week. You've mentioned him, you know, we've been mentioning him for a few weeks now. But, like, it does seem like we're kind of at that point where you're going to be able to count on him for 60 to 70%, you know, of the snaps. He's going to be probably sit right. I mean, he's been at 59% the last two weeks um, in rushing attempts. Today he was at 56%, so he's right around that. And his routes have been, you know, somewhere between 50 and 65%. He was at 61% today, and he just seems to be getting more confidence. So I feel like his role is pretty defined at this point. You know, he's going to be the lead back. He's involved in every phase of the game. So what's good about that, Ian, even though he's not like 100% every down back getting everything, and there's very few of those in the league, but he's very close to that. But what's good about the way they're utilizing Michael Carter is there's there's not a game script that can basically write him out because he's getting used across all these situations. Basically, they're using Ty Johnson to rotate in, and he can play a little bit of all those roles as well. But it's really all around Michael Carter getting the majority of all those situations. So whether the Jets are getting blown out, whether it's a close game, or whether they're leading, Michael Carter is going to be able to stay on the field. And that's important, especially with a team like the Jets, because we know they're also still going to be very prone to blowouts. When you look at Mike White today, like, Really, the like the behind-the-scenes stats kind of stuff. Yeah, he had a nice day, but basically, he just killed the Bengals with checkdowns. His average depth of target was a 4.2. 63% of his air yards came after the catch, and we just talked about a big part of it. Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, and um, Jamison Crowder. Like, all the underneath options were the primary targets. So, teams will eventually sit on all that stuff, and they'll take it away. There wasn't a lot of tape coming in on Mike White, you know, and, and you can have a day like this, but it's kind of rare to get that many yards after the catch to get a 400-yard game when you're primarily t- targeting your back and your underneath slot receiver. So I don't think Mike White will continue on with anything like this, but it's good to see that, you know, he's, he's competent enough 
you know, that you don't have to totally fade the whole offense. As far as the receivers go, Elijah Moore only was out there for 39% of the routes, which is kind of disappointing. We all really want it to be Elijah Moore season. But when you see catches like the ones Keelan Cole made, Denzel Mims got to get out there on the field. He's basically the player that replaced Corey Davis. So they have defined roles of how they see these players playing. Unfortunately, Elijah Moore right now, he's kind of the odd, he's the odd player out because Keelan Cole is really kind of, you know, taking away his, Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder are basically blocking Elijah Moore from getting out there more. Moore on the plays he was out there actually graded as the highest receiver today for the Jets with an 85.8 grade um, where Crowder was at a 75.1. So it's not that Moore doesn't have the talent or he can't get things done. He's just not seeing the field enough right now. And yeah, I, I was looking through some, you know, we can do some cool stuff on behind the scenes of PFF Ultimate. I was trying to see if this was just like the highest graded game a Jets quarterback has had in the last five or so years. Not even close because, yeah, 4.2 average target depth in this one. Uh, on the season now, Mike White, 61.5% of his passing yards have come after the catch. Only Case Keenum at 65% is above that. Like Jared Goff is right there at 60%. So, no. You know, have a day, Mike White. You know, you killed it, but no, people were really not expecting this to become an every week occurrence. But with that said, we got the quote of all quotes from Ty Johnson on Mike White. That's Mike effing White. He's a savage. He's a dog. <laughs> he's an animal. I love I it. Love Go it. hype up your quarterback. Uh, PFF. Oh, one last thing. Denzel Mims did get a finger in injury, so maybe the wide receiver room clears out a little bit there. And also, Dwayne, you know, we talked a lot about this on the injury episode Friday. <sighs> Auden Tate wasn't out there, man. This thigh injury is keeping our guy on the sideline. So I, I'm just saying the Bengals are 0-1 this year without Auden Tate. I don't know Tate. if That's I can go on with the rest of this podcast. We're going to have to try. PFF Lilly <laughs> matchup stat. Only players, the only players that more force missed tackles than Michael Carter this season, Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, Javante Williams, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb. That's it. That's how good he's been. And when you watch him play, you can see this sort of broken tackle ability flashing time and time again. So, yeah, a little bit of a volume stat. We've seen that in recent weeks. But Michael Carter also hasn't been exactly, you know, overwhelmed with volume throughout the entire season. So uh, he was someone that I know a lot of people had ranked highly in the preseason. And, you know, for good reason, from a talent standpoint, didn't get the volume. He is now. Let's feel good about firing him up in the future. The Jets suck. But guess what? Hasn't stopped DeAndre Swift most weeks. Hasn't stopped James Robinson most weeks. Next matchup, Rams 38, Texans 22. Houston covers as a 17-point dog. Was surprised to see that. The over cashed at 47. So not a ton to say in this one. Matthew Stafford is like the king of throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns and just like not really looking all that impressive along the way. But hey, who cares? Style points don't matter really in the NFL, and they sure as hell don't in fantasy. So did manage to get Van Jefferson for a 68-yard bomb that I think showed off some of his best arm strength. But once again, man, just easy more times than not. Cooper Cup had this 52-yard crosser where it's like he just ran through zone coverage and the defense was like, you know what? Well, someone else will pick him up. We'll worry about it later, Dwayne. It's Cooper Cup. What's he going to do um, out there? So, obviously, Cup did make some nice moves on it. But you go back and you look at his touchdown again, and there he is not even getting tackled on his way into the end zone after running a post and just seemingly being just fine. So, whatever. We'll take the points as they come, and Cup continues to rack up more than any other wide receiver in the NFL. Overall in the day, seven catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Luckily, though, Stafford and Sean McVay were kind enough to get our boy Bobby Trees involved as well. Only caught three of his nine targets for 35 yards and a score. But, Dwayne, 
and I'm checking this right now, I think we had our first Robert Woods rush attempts you of did. the season. This used to be commonplace, people. Okay. Yeah, three. Had, he had four combined in weeks one through three. <clears throat> so he had some, but not nearly what we're used to. Three in this one. Yeah, over the last few years, people, he had 19 in 2018, 17 in 2019, 24 in 2020. Like, I thought it was a reasonable, not the whole story, but to me, it was reasonable to look at Cup and Woods this year, say, hey, their targets have been pretty close the last few years. We're expecting them to be close again with McVay still there. And Woods is the one usually getting close to 20 rush attempts. Why not go with Woods? Obviously, you know, Dr. Hindsight tells us that reasoning would have been badly flawed going into this year but we did see woods go three carries 22 yards and another score on the ground this week so hopefully that comes to fruition a little bit more daryl henderson just continued to get uh, largely fed although it wasn't as big of a game i think as many expected might have just been a factor of the rams being up 24 nothing after two and then 38 nothing after three so still finished with 93 total yards and scored two touchdowns daryl henderson remains a locked in rb1 Brandon Cooks, someone that has made his uh, feelings with the Houston Texans very clear. We got a hilarious report this morning that the Texans want to quote-unquote build around Brandon Cooks. Oh, okay, that's the player. That's And nothing against Brandon Cooks. He's a great wide receiver. But all these guys will come in and out in Houston, all these great, you know, players that they've just pretty much said whatever like go on your way like Andre freaking Johnson can't find a good thing to say about the Houston Texans clearly Brandon Cooks has a similar feeling about the organization but no Dwayne reports man they want to build around Brandon Cooks and apparently every team wants to Sean Watson like just nothing but clear clear-headed rational thinking coming out of the Houston camp so that's just uh you know Typical day in Houston, I guess. But anyway, Brandon Cook, six catches, 83 yards, and a score in this one. And it was just pretty much pure mop-up time when a lot of this got done in Houston. The big takeaway I see here, Dwayne, is that, no, the David Johnson pipe dream did not come true because how could it when you have to get guys like Scotty Phillips and Rex Burkhead involved? Uh, Rex, if you who? Wanna... Rex who, Ian? Rex good at the game, Burkhead? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. If you want to go through the usage, that's fine. If you just want to say F Houston, we have better things to talk about, that's fine too. I will say F Houston. All I'm going to say is 80% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. Really the only big point you need to know about this game, Van Jefferson, um, and he was knocked out of the game for a few plays. He kind of came up gimpy after his long reception, but 89% of the routes. We know Deshaun Jackson's trying to get dealt to another team. Obviously has some bills to pay. I don't hate on the guy. I would rather stay with the Rams try to win a Super Bowl, but look, do what you got to do when you you look at Jefferson, 18% of the targets, 39% of the air yards, which is tied on the team with Cooper Cup, 2.84 yards per route run. This guy can run routes. He can give releases. He can beat press coverage. Like Van Jefferson, if something happens to Cooper Cup, if something happens to Robert Woods, like, you know, you talk about Gabriel Davis. I think that's a great point you bring up. It's almost like handcuff. Like there's, there's not very many of these, but there are these handcuff receivers Van Jefferson's one of them and and he can still he can even fill in like you know if you're in a if you're in a deeper format like you can start him now like as your second flex player every once in a while right but if something happens to one of these other players like I think he's the most dynamic guy they have on their offense right now as far as working the field vertically and being able to really beat coverage from any, any wherever you line him up you don't have to protect him in the slot you can put him outside so i really love van jefferson i think in medium large leagues he should be rostered pretty much everywhere pff lily stat here people is cooper cups 17 game pace 134 catches 1963 yards and 21 touchdowns absolute madness Fantasy wide receiver one and just continuing. Just to like everybody thought. All the zero all the zero RB folks were out there in the street screaming, Cooper Cup. No, they weren't. Sorry. 
Zero RB was great, man. You know, as long as everyone just got lucky that got Derrick Henry and Zeke and, uh, you know, Daryl Henderson. I I love when people try to look at, like, the top 20 running back and they're like, no, that was a zero RB target. Bullshit. A zero RB (laughs) draft strategy is supposed to be when you leave, like, your first five-plus rounds without a running back. It's zero RB. The goal is to get six good receivers right away and hopefully a tight end or a quarterback. Yeah, so spare me that shit, people. All right, four afternoon games. <laughs> Last ones we got. Patriots 27, Chargers 24. New England covered as a seven-point dog. The under just barely cashed at 55. Um, yeah, Jacoby Myers caught a two-point conversion. Couldn't get the real thing. That's got to be a bittersweet feeling uh, for him. But, yeah, people, this really was just another really solid, I thought for the most part, game from Mac Jones. I know the box score doesn't indicate that. And he's not someone we really care much much about in fantasy regardless only completed 18 of 35 passes for 218 yards but we just continue to see some really nice touch here or there nelson Aguilar had a nice 44 yard gain hunter henry 33 yards on a perfectly thrown ball down the middle again far more good than bad for mac jones throughout this year and i don't want to say he just like put the team on his back here it was far more the patriots defense and damon harris getting some good things going but i think patriots fans should be feeling great about what the future holds with mac jones Jones. But yeah, it was Damian Harris uh, that ended up being the bell cow here, as we indicated he might be uh, earlier this week on our preview of this matchup. Overall, 23 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Actually had another touchdown that was seemed like it was good for 20 or 30 yards. Nullified on a hold that was very reasonable. Touchdown wouldn't have happened without the hold. I just bring that up because it's a sheesh moment. It's annoying for fantasy uh, football people. And he also had another chunk run later. So truly, if the officials just maybe weren't looking as closely that on a couple plays, Damian Harris would have been looking at 130 140 yards in this one um only other note i have really on the patriots kendrick Bourne probably could have had a five-yard touchdown um they ran like kind of a quick hidden screen for him inside the five-yard line hit his hands mac jones didn't throw a great pass whoever you want to blame it on go ahead either way didn't produce the touchdown on the Chargers side of things austin eckler as we all you know saw with the hip issue i believe it was you know wasn't exactly someone looking all that likely to play necessarily coming in this week. He started himself in his lineup, so we all had to do the same. Ended up coming through with 64 yards and a score on the ground. Also chipped in six catches for 60 yards, continuing to be a pretty much a cheat code in full point per reception formats. Saw Keenan Allen get back on track to an extent, six catches, 77 yards, and a score. Meanwhile, Mike Williams dudded two catches, just 19 yards. And that, I think, just was more of a factor to do with Justin Herbert slipping up against Bill Belichick and company once again. And so this was a game last year where the Patriots won 45 to nothing. So from that you know perspective, Herbert and company improved a little bit. But yeah, it just wasn't a good game from Herbert. You still see the flashes, even in his bad games, of just the absurd arm talent, his ability to make pretty much any throw on the field. But we got the two interceptions. We weren't able to get much of a rushing floor from him. Just wasn't his best day at the office. So I'm still firing up Keenan. Mike with confidence each and every week. Austin Eckler obviously remains a top five running back back even if you don't like the man i just don't know how you couldn't rank him higher interesting note though as we've seen now multiple occasions this year austin eckler has been banged up we've wondered what to do Joshua Kelly was a healthy scratch and not blaming anyone, not pointing fingers. We don't know what this looks like. He will be active if Austin Eckler misses time. But again, 
our main, I guess, advice to you guys on the injury pod that we record every Friday evening, you can listen to it usually live, if not on Saturday morning, was not to expect too much from either of these guys. And we saw Justin Jackson and Larry Roundtree pretty much split work behind Austin Eckler. Shout out to Justin Jackson, who had a 75-yard run that, man, like he had like a 15-yard lead on the guys at one point, just kind of ran uh, out of steam there and got hawked, but did show off some of the goodness on the ground. And we all know he's the preferred pass catcher behind Eckler anyway. So, Dwayne, let's first start with this Patriots uh, backfield. Ever-evolving, as always. This week, Ramondre Stevenson managed to get out of the doghouse. It still seemed like it was the Damian Harris show, though. Yeah, it was. Um, You know, when you look at, you know, Stevenson's role, it was 22% of the rushing attempts, 16%, you know, of the snaps. Um, He was only out there for 10% of the route. So, just, it's honestly, it's like the old Burkhead role, right? You've really got Damian Harris and the old LeGarrette Blount. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of all the different Stephen Ridley, like you name it, like that's his role. Then you've got Brandon Bolden playing the James White role. Then you've got Ramondre Stevenson or JJ Taylor, whoever's active. They're just kind of sprinkling in, playing some of that Rex Burkhead role. So there's just nothing you can do, you know, with it. You know, Brandon Bolden was out there plenty today, 92% long down distance, 100% of two minute offense. They just never really needed um, to utilize it that much. So it really was just a Damian Harris day, like you already mentioned, and it could have been even bigger. One interesting note that I did have um, on the Patriots side of the ball, Jonu Smith, 64% of the snaps. Like he's been down in like a thir- the 30% range, and I was all excited, like where you're talking, because I was just like marking up my notes, and I was like, oh, but still only 38% of the route. So you get Jonu Smith out there more, and you just tell him you just want him to pass block or run block. So that's <laughs> awesome. Jonu Smith, you know, he's just, he's just a blocker, Ian. Um, as far as the Patriots wide receivers outside of um, Jacoby Myers, it's just, it's just really, it's there's nothing you can do with it. Like these guys are all rotating. Bourne was only out there 48% of the routes. So really just more of the same on the Chargers side of the ball. Mike Williams was out there plenty, only 13% of the targets. But these games, you know, they're going to happen. 21% of the air yards. So it just wasn't a situation where it was able to work out today for Mike Williams. But it was a nice day for Keenan Allen, 33% of the targets. Uh, on the day he was out there 100% of the routes. So for those of you kind of waiting on Keenan Allen to warm up, you got rewarded a little bit today. I mean, you know, it's not like what you were hoping. You know, it's not a huge game, but still 11 targets, six receptions, 77 yards and touchdown. You'll still take that anytime that you can get it. You already really kind of touched on the backfield. I, behind Austin Eckler, we really don't know what's going to happen. You know, Justin Jackson had the big play today and it's Roundtree instead of Josh Kelly. So I, I haven't seen any clear trend that tells me exactly like why they make any of these decisions. All I know is that they pretty much just prefer Eckler and you don't, you don't know who the other two guys are going to be. And further complicating matters. I believe Justin Jackson suffered a quad injury. So I'm not even did. sure. Uh, Cause that's going to be <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I good point though on um, John. I just think a good point to bring up. I should say on John Smith is, be careful sometimes what the percentage is, people. We need to consider the overall volume pie. Same thing with Kenneth Gamewell and Miles Sanders in these past weeks. Yeah, he has 90% of the RB rush attempts in his own backfield. When the, you know, when that volume is half of how much yeah. other backfields have, it does matter. And that's what we've kind of seen with John U. Smith. So he ran 15 routes in this game. That's horrific. He got targeted on two of them. I'm sure if you take his, you know, targets per route over the past three weeks it probably actually pops compared to other players still not someone we want to yeah. get behind in fantasy land so. that's a huge point and that's why i'm you know with the utilization report now like for each team the beginning part is the overarching here's what the team looks like and then i basically break down 
the pass volume and the rushing volume. Like, is it is it good? Is it average? Or is it bad? You know, because to your point, it's like, okay, so how much of the pie is there really to go around? Yeah. And then when you read the percentages, like that gives you the context to know. Because like if it's something where it's, okay, it's a poor pass volume offense and then you see Johnu Smith only out there for 38% of the routes, well, like that's super bad. Like that's terrible. <laughs> so yeah, good point. PFF Lily matchup stat is for Damian Harris. And we brought this up, but people, they played the Saints and Buccaneers. And this is a Josh McDaniels offense that wants to play to their opponent's weaknesses. You would think every NFL offense does that, but just throughout time, we have seen New England, I think, more of their offense week to week than most teams. So when they haven't been playing these just juggernaut front sevens, how many touches has Damian Harris got? I'm happy you asked. 25, 17, 14, 19, 16, and most recently, 23. I understand he's not getting the pass down usage, so these aren't as valuable as someone like Michael Carter, DeAndre Swift. Just realize, though, Damian Harris, if we can project even a somewhat neutral game script against a non-juggernaut front seven, he should be looking at 15 to 20 touches. Good enough to make plenty of, hey, wait for it, Dwayne, low-end RV2 noise out of it. Seahawks smacked the Jaguars 31-7. Seattle covered as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The under hit at 44. Gotta love a game in which neither team managed. Oh, no, Jacksonville got there. Jacksonville barely cleared 300 yards of offense. Seattle somehow didn't even hit 250, despite winning 31-7. to But I am not taking anything away from Geno Smith because he played absolutely fantastic. Should have had a touchdown early to Tyler Lockett. It seemed like he had it. I mean, I shouldn't say he should have. They ruled it a touchdown, then they just decided Lockett was short because he was. Gino went ahead and did his best. Uh, Drew Brees jumping over and reaching the ball over the goal line impersonation. So he got his rushing touchdown there. Ended up chipping in two more touchdowns through the air to DK Metcalf later. One on a pretty easy out route. Another one just on this like back shoulder, man, where Metcalf showed some outstanding body control. It really is ridiculous in hindsight how many people, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm just the best wide receiver evaluator in the world, but when a guy can do so many things at such a high level, who gives a shit what the three cone looks like? <laughs> and when you watch him on the field, man, like he's still sick in yak situations and even some route running now. I think that part of that is like, hey, it's DK Metcalf. He can run right by you. He can jump over you at any moment. So then maybe that just enhances the features that he's not that good at. It's like a Russian quarterback facing easier, you know, coverages because defenses have to account for their other strengths. But whatever, Metcalf's speed, his size isn't going anywhere, uh, isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So continue to treat him as one of the best real life and fantasy receivers. And there we go, people. Gino could not completely kill Tyler Lockett. Caught 12 of 13 targets for 100. 42 scoreless yards his real first usable game since week two here's the hoping it's not his last for the rest of 2021 the backfield you know pretty shocking to see the seahawks only have 25 team rush attempts in a game that they won by 24 alex collins did get 10 of them 44 yards but again it was geno getting that score they actually gave two so when um Lockett caught that original pass I talked about. Again, just a dime from Geno there, but he got ruled just short. They gave Penny the first two carries. He got stuffed. Then they gave Collins one. He got stuffed. And then Geno finally punched him in himself. So maybe Penny is their short yardage guy, but I, I think just kind of generally, and Dwayne, you kind of called this out last week, they do seem to be in more of a Collins slash Penny slash a little bit of Travis Homer. Hey, maybe even get DJ Dallas out there for a couple snaps. But I don't think we're looking at the same uh, Chris Carson type of role for any 
of these guys at this point. Alex Collins still probably the guy you want to be rostering and starting as, as far as Carson is out, which could be the rest of the year. I mean, we don't freaking know. It is a neck injury. Reminder. Pete Carroll called him day-to-day not that long ago. Come the hell on, Pete. Um, but yeah, Collins, way more of a, I would say, borderline RV2 to more of a high-end RV3 at this point. Um, yeah, on the Jacksonville side of things, Trevor Lawrence, he made a couple good throws, as he always does, because he's a very talented quarterback. Unfortunately, it seemed like the times he did make something good happen, uh, his teammates couldn't come through. Marvin Jones had a pretty big drop out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, we got guys like Dan Arnold getting 10 targets, Jamal Swagnew getting 12. Credit to Swagnew for scoring a touchdown. But, I mean, Dan Arnold, eight catches, 68 yards. You're feeling good about that. I'm feeling good about that because he was only 2.8K on DraftKings. And myself and Andrew Erickson told you guys to use him as your cash line of pump play um, back on Friday. But yeah, the biggest note from this Jaguars team was, unfortunately, people, James Robinson suffered an early ankle injury, only had four carries in this one, leading the way for Carlos Hyde to split work with Dari Ogunbowale. It did get LaVisca Chenault one carry, but obviously, you know, you can't get him too many more easy receptions. He had just three total touches on the day. So, Dwayne, let's start things off with that Seattle backfield. And, yeah, is this looking like more and more like a full-blown committee by week? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we got 42% of the attempts to Alex Collins on 48% of the snaps, 17% Travis Homer, 29% to Rashad Penny on only 20% of the snaps. But the short down and distance work really is Alex Collins. Um, so, but when I look at short down and distance, it's got to be a third or a fourth down and one to two yards to go. Man, like I got to have it. One or two yards. We know most teams run or at least, you know, they lean to the run in these situations. And so Alex Collins gets 67% of those snaps versus 0% of those to Rashad Penny. So even though Rashad Penny works in and gets a carry inside the five, I think it's just more of a nature of the rotation of who's on the field when they get down there, which is why I like to look at the short down and distance data, um, because typically that really tells us more who they're going to want in, you know, inside the five. So I think Collins is still, it's a, it is to your point, it's a three headed committee with Collins. I would say when Collins is healthy, you're going to see him get about half of it. And then you're going to see the other two guys really just, just split the rest. And it's going to be Homer or DJ Dallas, depending on, you know, who they choose for the week that will really be the passing down back back. And then Rashad Penny is the, he's the relief pitcher really for Alex Collins at this point. Um, so I think, you want to roster Penny and Collins, especially if you're in a deep, you know, obviously Collins is going to be rostered, but Penny is a player that you do want to have rostered just because we know that Chris Carson could be out for the rest of the season. So, and Collins has already battled injuries. So Rashad Penny is really one step away from being the lead back. And then just, you know, at that point, you know, he probably, or if he gets hurt, you know, then Alex Collins is really more just, you know, going to see 60% of the work. And then, cause I don't think Travis Homer or DJ Dallas, their roles don't really expand in. Like they're kind of doing what they're doing, but Penny and Collins are the ones basically cannibalizing each other's work. Um, we did see Carlos Hyde obviously take over on the Jaguars side of the ball. Once you had James Robinson go out, he handled 50% of the rushing attempts, 75% of the short down and distance and 56% of the long down and distance. So, and he was, he was basically a near every down back. Um, where you saw Agamboale get involved. Good job on pronouncing that, Ian. 38% long down distance. Um, so he did get out there a little bit. I just want to say, Dwayne, that, that, that means a lot coming from you. And I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, I didn't really want to take on this mantle, but now I feel like I have to. 
Oh, you have. Yes, we're running yeah, with it. Yeah, so I, I take on the mantle of the person that says K, and I'm also the person that has to handle the pronunciations for the show. Congratulations, me. Um, oh, the biggest note, really, two big notes here, like the actionable stuff, like for folks, LaVisca Chanel. He had been working outside. You'd really seen his routes increasing. It all went away. I don't know if you have any notes on a Chenault injury or anything, if there's something that may have happened here at Ian, but only 60% of the routes today. Um, we had seen him get up over the 80% mark, and I was kind of I was kind of excited about it because really they were playing him more as a Z. He wasn't just having to play inside an 11 personnel, meaning that there was upside because he had a chance that even if they weren't playing 11, say they played 12, 21, whatever they were using, he could still be on the field, which would give him, you know, the chance to get up towards 90% routes per pass play, which is really where we want our receivers to be is over that number. And he's back down below 60%. Um, targets per route run just aren't strong enough um, for him to be. Uh, there are a few players that you can survive on that kind of utilization. If they're around 70%, which he was below this week, but his targets per route run just don't add up, only 11%. Marvin Jones was out there 93%. The other actionable note is if you remember before Gerald Everett got COVID-19, we kind of put out a subtle, hey, it's probably a buy now moment. You know, go get Gerald Everett cheap off the waiver wire. If you've got bye weeks coming up next week and you're going to be without a tight end, I think we can reissue that now. 77% of the snaps, 78% of the routes. So he really distanced himself from Will Disley again. So we're basically two weeks back. This is the third week that Gerald Everett's been back from COVID. And we're basically now seeing him get back to the role that we saw him get to just before he had COVID and had to leave for those. It was actually, I think he may have missed three weeks whenever that happened. So didn't get a lot of targets today, only 9%. And you guys know how this offense works. It's going to be Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But we will get Russell Wilson back. It could be sooner rather than later. And so they need a third option to help them crack the code of all the two high looks and all these other <laughs> things that they face. And I think Gerald Everett could be part of that equation. I think he'll, I, I would look at him for now and you can give your thoughts here, Ian. Like he's a mid-range tight end too, but I think he has upside to push his way into that high end tight end two, low end tight end one conversation, depending on what bye weeks we're dealing with, depending on matchups, injuries, that kind of stuff. We just need Russ back. He's also gotten a rush attempt in back-to-back weeks. Like They want to use him. They were doing it before he got COVID. Now they're doing it again. I think you're spot on. Uh, real quickly on Travis Homer, return onside kick for a touchdown. Yeah, that was, that awesome. was fun. And per ESPN stats and info, only the seventh time in the last 20 seasons an onside kick has been returned. For some reason, I can remember four of them off the top of my head. This one, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb had two um, last year. I think in like the same week even. And then Reggie Switzer, I believe, the Cowboy, returned one to the house when the Eagles tried to do it on the first play of the game about 15 or so years ago. So I, I can't remember the other three right now. Give me a break, everybody. Buddy. But PFF Lily matchup stat. Dwayne, you said we know how this offense goes. It goes through Lockett and Metcalf. That's how it should go. I'm happy it finally did because in two and a half games with Geno Smith, Lockett and Metcalf combined for 25 targets. This week, 19 targets. Thank you. That's all we're asking, people. Just don't go 60 minutes and not find a way to get two of your best players, if not your two best players, double-digit opportunities. That's all we ask. And now, Dwayne, your pronunciation skills are going to be put to a test on this one because we got the guy that started it all. Broncos, 17. Football team, 10. Denver covered as four-point favorites. The under hit at 45. You know, I in my show sheet, I have four categories. Uh, 
dope. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I'm not trying to be that cool, but that's just what it is. Cool plays, whatever. Sheesh, injury, and PFF Lily. And I, I have written down, like, I don't know otherwise other than Jerry Judy had a pretty crisp route at one point. Looked fully back, which was great to see. And just the way how he doesn't even need to, like, decelerate out of some of these cuts is wild. But, yeah, there were nine combined sacks, two picks, three fumbles. This was horrible. A terrible game to watch. Taylor Heineke and Teddy Bridgewater just look like completely mediocre quarterbacks this entire time. And yeah, the pass rushes, the defenses played fine as well. But truly, like this was 60 minutes of your life you will never get back. So Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, credit to them for having these 31-yard catches. But yeah, Dwayne, I really don't even have much here. Like, come on. You got Jerry Judy, Sutton, Terry McLaurin. Neither of these quarterbacks can even get one guy over 50 yards. I mean, honestly, just the thing that pissed me off more than anything is that we got Antonio Gibson and yeah my god we talked about this Dwayne he didn't even have a questionable tag this week that would lead you to believe that he's getting healthier I don't know just that he won't lose the role that he's had all year never mind the guy who Kyle Allen who Ron Rivera have called Compared to Christian McCaffrey, I should say, Antonio Gibson, look, we've learned to deal with the reality that he's not going to beat out J.D. McKissick for pass down work. I don't like it. I can live with it. I don't really understand it, but I know it's going to happen. But when I see Jarrett freaking Patterson now outrushing Antonio Gibson in a game where Gibson wasn't hurt, in a game where he wasn't down more than seven points, in a game where he was up by three points for the third quarter, like... How are you not giving Gibson the ball at this point, man? So it's not that Patterson's bad. I'm sure he's fine. It's just like, I don't know, Washington, do the things that you say you're going to do at some point. Like, you don't need to give us your entire strategy. I just don't know what Gibson has done at this point to warrant just now being in a three-headed committee. They continue to not use him to the best of his abilities in either facet of the game now, and it just sucks. And yeah, you know, I'm pissed off because I have plenty of Gibson in fantasy land, and it's not like Dwayne, you know, I'm not one of these people that put him as my RB5 or 6 and pretended like he was for sure going to have this three-down roll, but I didn't see Jared freaking Patterson taking away his, half of his early down work as early as week 8 when there's no injuries or bad game script to be had of it. So go ahead and tell me the specific on it i'm already pissed off enough <laughs> i know it is wild like we finally get a full practice out of antonio gibson on a friday and we're like hey injury tag removed let's go antonio gibson no just kidding Jarrett patterson 48 percent of the rushing attempts 35 percent antonio gibson i did go back and look at this one ian and broke it down by quarter and tried to look at it by drive it wasn't like there was just it wasn't like it was late in the game right and this was just gibson disappearing this was going on throughout the game great yeah, I know. It's really, it's, it's really, it's a wonderful, uh, you know, thing that's occurred that we now get to talk about each week. Um, so, but still, I think it goes back to like, are they just trying to protect Gibson at this point, like with his injury? And, and I'm with you. It's like, okay, well then, why all of a sudden is he not limited on a Friday and he gets a full practice in and he's, it, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me either. J.D. McKissick, look, he's still doing the J.D. McKissick thing, 100% long bad distance, 90% of the two-minute offense. Um, you know, 22% target share, led the team again. Uh, 3.32 yards per route run. We will give J.D. McKissick, uh, you know, props. He is good yeah. as a receiver out of the back. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. You guys know that Terry McLaurin is uh, Terry McLaurin, and he was out there plenty. He didn't have really a big day, but no worries there. Ricky Sills-Jones still playing pretty much every snap. Um, we did have the, the return today, you know, of two Broncos with Jerry Judy and with Albert Okwuebunum. 
Okay. There you and go. Albert Okuwebo. King State Kings. You, you can, you guys, yeah, yeah. You guys can go straight to um, Albert O's Twitter account, you know, to get the the correct pronunciation. He has it spelled out, and it's Oak with an O A K. So I'm I'm working on it. Um, since Ian has assigned me as the uh, official pronunciator of the show. Uh, normal normal work here with the backfield, but as far as the receivers go, you had Jerry Judy out there for 77% of the routes, uh, 94% for Cortland Sutton, and then you had Tim, Tim Patrick out there, 97%. So they're still kind of working Judy back, but it will be interesting. He did play from the slot a lot, um, so it's something we'll have to kind of keep an eye on. I do expect Judy to eventually you know, get back to where he needs to be. Uh, but the, the thing for me here, Ian, is like now you have – really kind of these four weapons that they want to feature. <laughs> they like Alberto, they like Noah Fant, they like Jerry Judy, they like Cortland Sutton. It, it just worries me. Now you're going to have to defend on Ted, you're going to depend on Teddy Bridgewater. You've got a defensive-minded head coach in Vic Fangio who really just, you know, he doesn't want, you know, Vic Fangio, like if you went to his house, like on Halloween, like what candy do you think you would get in? Like it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be like, you know, a cool like full-length candy bar. It would be like a Werther's or something or like, you know, one of those old like lemon candies that just come in like the gold <laughs> wrapper that like, you know, grandmas would give out. Like you, you're like, oh man, like you get home and that's like the candy you immediately like set aside for like, if I absolutely need it, like I'll, it's like your stash for later, but you're not going to like, it's, eat it's the house where like you're leaving the front door and another group of kids are walking up the driveway and you're just like, no, and they just turn around. And they're like, <laughs> okay, fair. On the notes. <laughs> yeah. That's Vic Fangio. Like in, in what we've got going on there. So, um, it's kind of concerning because we've now got these multiple weapons that they want to get the ball to. Um, it's, it's not bad from an NFL standpoint. It's just going to be a concern from a fantasy standpoint. And we've talked about it a couple of times. You've brought it up. Hey, sell high on Cortland Sutton has really been your message for the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's not that you don't think Sutton's a good player. We both do. But this is a lot of mouths to feed and a very mediocre offense. Yeah, this matchup doesn't deserve a PFF Lily matchup stat. So we're going to move on <laughs> right to our last game. Saints beat the Buccaneers 36-27. New Orleans covered as a five-and-a-half-point dog. The overcashed at 49. Trevor Simeon, people, most well-known, at least in my mind, for declining a Pro Bowl invite in 2016, which just made the entire like hoopla die to me. When you have someone like Trevor Simeon declining, obviously because you got your Super Bowl quarterbacks who can't play. Then you got your injured quarterbacks who can't play. Then you got other quarterbacks who just say, I don't give a damn about the Pro Bowl. I'm not going to go play in your stupid exhibition game. So many people said no that Trevor Simeon actually got the opportunity to also say no. So excuse me for not giving a single shit about your Pro Bowl, you know, <laughs> milestones and stuff. People were You're saying that when the Bears got Dalton. <laughs> They're going, Bears got Andy Dalton, two-time Pro Bowler. I don't care, people. But, hey, Trevor Simeon, this was awesome for him. Not, it's, it was a Mike White game. Like, he did as well as you could have possibly hoped for, given the circumstances and given what he was asked to do. So, yeah, 159 yards, one touchdown. A lot of these were on curls, screens, not exactly, you know, the most NFL-type throws. But, hey, he did hit none other than Kevin White for a 38-yard pass down the sideline. Love to see, you know, someone like Kevin, obviously, you know, 
Couldn't stay healthy early on in his career with the Bears. Hasn't done much of anything. He is still sticking around and managed to go make a play today. Great story to see from that. And unfortunately, people, the reason why Trevor Simeon was out there is because Jameis Winston suffered a bad knee injury that is looking like an ACL. We don't have confirmation just yet, but basically Sean Payton described knee injury for Jameis as significant. And then at the NFL on Network's Jane Slater has reported that he, she has been told it is his ACL. So... Obviously, terrible news for Jameis, and we can only hope that it won't be an ACL for him. Uh, should find out more about that on Monday, I would assume. So with Jameis in and out, Alvin Kamara, 19 carries, 61 yards, and a score. Only had four targets in this one. You know, I wouldn't think too much into that with the quarterback change, you know, and against the Buccaneers in particular, it would make sense that pass protection was, you know, certainly something for them to worry about a little bit more this week than usual. But yeah, I mean, overall on the Saints sideline, they got the win. Uh, you know, pick six at the end of the game by P.J. Williams certainly helped them break into the 30s, but great win for Peyton, for Jameis, for Trevor, for every involved in New Orleans. Now on the Tampa Bay side of things, uh, we did have an early sheesh. Mike Evans got open deep, beat Marshawn Lattimore, open for a 45-yard score. Brady couldn't put it on him. Just seemed to be a little bit off today for Brady. And when you're a little bit off and you still throw for 375 yards and four touchdowns, that means you are talking about the GOAT. So Brady was picked twice, had the last one of the game. I can't quite recall his other one, but he came back. He didn't get the 40. Again, he missed the 45-yard touchdown to Evans. He got him later, 45 for a 41-yard touchdown over Lattimore, so Evans got to have those bragging rights. Only caught two catches uh, for 48 yards and a score, though. Uh, Cyril Grayson, someone whose name I don't think I maybe heard once before today, but he caught a 50-yard <laughs> score. Yeah, track star. Track star, right? It seemed like the entire Saints secondary was kind of like sitting at the first down marker, and they saw like number 15 Grayson start running, and they were like, "All right, whatever, go do your thing." There's no one within 30 <laughs> yards of him, like at this point. But hey, touchdowns a touchdown. Tyler Johnson chipped in five catches, 65 yards. One of which, man, just ran a crisp comeback, caught the ball, and then He's picked a good up some player, man. He is a good player, man. And that's it. Was funny because I was talking to uh, Trevor Sikama. Obviously, super well-tuned in with Tampa Bay, one of our PFF main hosts uh, with pretty much everything we do. And I asked him if he thought that because of how good Tyler Johnson was, if Chris Goblin could uh, actually just go somewhere else next year. He thinks Goblin loves Tampa Bay enough that they'll try to work something out. But it really is just when you have Tyler Johnson and even Scotty Miller, who's been on IR, I mean, and then Jalen Darden, man, it is absurd how deep Tampa Bay is at wide receiver. I guess that's like their, you know, their cost of the devil is being that deep at wide receiver and now like having zero cornerbacks to like to actually play on defense for him. But Chris Godwin, eight catches, 140 yards and a score on those 12 targets. I'm really happy that he was again, one of our key DFS recommendations, not reinventing the wheel here. I'm not saying it was crazy to call out Godwin having a good game, but just based on anticipating Mike Evans, you know, not getting enough volume with a lot of more shadow treatment. It did work out the way we were hoping for. Leonard Fournette um, could have had a chance at a touchdown. Only two sheeshes in this one. They threw him like a design screen near the goal line, and he just bobbled it. It looked like he fumbled it at first, but they ruled it to be an incompletion, and they came back later on the same drive, basically ran the same play for Giovanni Bernard. Spoiler, he catches it and scores a touchdown. Mm -hmm. um, only other notes here is Rob Gronkowski tried to play. Bruce Arians said before the game he would only be available for emergency situations. Basically, Brady threw one fade to him that could have been a touchdown, wasn't a perfect pass, got knocked down by a second half. Gronk was on the sideline in his T-shirt out with back spasms. So Tampa Bay does have that week nine bye. Hopefully Gronk will be good to go after that. 
Dwayne, let's start things off over with the Saints' backfield. Obviously, we did have a returning Mark Ingram, but it sure looked like Kamara standing as the overall alpha workhorse didn't go anywhere. Yeah, Kamara still looks good. 67% you know, of the snaps, 71% of the rushing attempts, uh, pretty much all the long down and distance, all the short down and distance. Like, you know, it was really more just Ingram spelling him a little bit. Uh, the 21% routes to Ingram was kind of interesting. Only 46% to Kamara, which is by far one of his lowest. That probably is, actually I have to go back and look, that's probably his lowest mark on the season, but it's nothing to really overreact about. 13% of the targets today, so he wasn't up in the 30% range like we've seen from the last two weeks. But I think, you know, it's just it's, it's just one of those kind of things that's going to happen. I think we're going to see Kamara average out around 20, 22% of the targets, you know, over the course of the season. The big thing is just what are they going to do at quarterback now? Um, really, the rest of the Saints, you know, receivers is continuing along the same way. We see Marcus, Marquez Callaway really bump up into the 90% range of the routes. Um, over the last two weeks, which was kind of encouraging, and that fell back down today. They're really just a rotation all over the place. I mean, they rotate everything. So 73% of the routes to Callaway, 65% to Trick One Smith, 48% to Ty Montgomery. I mean, they're getting all these guys involved. As far as the Buccaneers go, really nothing new here. You know, we kind of know how the Bucks offense works. You got Tyler Johnson out there basically filling in for Antonio Brown. Right now, um, you already talked about Gronkowski. Fournette, one interesting thing is... Um, because of the game script and the way it worked out, it really could have phased him out, which I thought was interesting because we had seen Gio Bernard handling all the two-minute offense over the last several weeks. They actually put Fournette out there for 86% of the two-minute offense today, and I think that was really kind of a hat tip to him that, like, wow, this game script isn't working out, so we're going to give you this other role basically today to keep you on the field. So I think that's a positive for Fournette. Sure is. Lombardi Lenny continues to be an RB1. But our PFF Lily matchups, that has to go to Alvin Kamara, who, you know, people, last year he averaged 20.4 expected PPR points per game. And this year, pre-week eight, but based on the usage he had, I wouldn't expect this number to change that much. Still at 20.1 expected PPR points per game. We want those targets. He truly isn't that far off from where he was last year. Maybe he's not being quite as efficient. I don't know if he's got another overall RB1 performance in his range of outcomes. I mean, it's in his range of outcomes. I don't know if he'll get there or not. Either way, way you are loving having Alvin Kamara on the squad again in 2021. Dwayne, we've done it. We've wrapped up all 12 afternoon games. We got a fourth quarter of a Cowboys game to go watch. Yes. My guy Chris, my guy Chris Herndon caught a pass for seven yards. Also had a fun touchdown to Cedric Wilson. But anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. I just I'm gonna go watch the Cowboys game. <laughs> we will be back on Monday breaking down the waiver wire as always. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fans of Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.